On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're going deep undercover with Black Ops on BBC One, getting down with the crown in Bridgerton spin-off Queen Charlotte on Netflix, and boiling Joshua Jackson's bunnies in Fatal Attraction on Paramount+. Plus. And speaking of Fatal Attraction, Lizzie Kaplan, who takes on the Glenn Close role in this adaptation, is on the show a little later on to talk to Kay. Plus, Joe Russo joins us to talk all things Citadel, which is now showing on Prime Video. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your essential guide to every show that matters and a podcast that is harnessing the power of modern technology to be in two places at the same time this week because not only am I joined by Kay Ribeiro right here live in the studio, she's waving despite this being an audio medium, that's fine, at you. <laughs> but we're also joined by Boyd Hilton who's beaming in live from Los Angeles where he is hanging out with James Corden. How's it going, Boydie? It's been completely painless setting this up, hasn't it? There's been no yeah. issues of any kind. No, the wonders of modern technology, it's absolutely fine. I may or may not be able to hear myself echoed in my headphones. <laughs> Who knows? Who can say? Who can but say? yes, I am here in Los Angeles. And also, the weird thing is, I'm I'm watching you both on my iPhone via the wonders of Microsoft Teams. But And you are yourself, and you're speaking. I can see you, your little bald head and all of that. It's fine. <laughs> Kay is frozen in time for some reason. And I've just got her in quite a kind of semi-manic expression on her face, which if only I could capture on my iPhone, I would, and send it to oh, you by no. Karma. Well, you've I'm now busy. disappeared from me altogether. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so. you've disappeared from me altogether as well. Oh, That's weird, no, this is it? sad. Yeah. I want to see your face. Anyway gripping technological issues but you know yeah it's, it's quite it's quite special and the important thing to ask everybody is how was the late 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 show is it done is it finished have you seen it i, I went to one show the other night um where uh, natalie portman and billy eilish were the guests and that was brilliant it was really good uh i was in, sitting in the audience uh, there was actually a picture of me in, sitting in the audience from when it went out on tv that someone took <laughs> which, I, which i can send you later um uh, but the actual final, final show is tonight. Um, as we're recording this on Thursday, the 27th of April, the, there's a primetime special and there's a normal show. There's basically like three hours. It's like a three-hour finale um, that I'll be going to where Harry Styles and Will Ferrell and others will be there. So how many days a week does he do the show normally? Four days a week normally. Four days a week. Monday to Thursday. It's a lot, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's quite. That's yeah, quite that's nice. why. Yeah, yeah, that's why he's exhausted <laughs> and he's giving it up because it's an insane one thousand two hundred shows they've done in eight Bloody years. Bloody hell! I mean, yeah. And it's the thing a is, then he's not like just you know, like there's a lot of effort that goes into each of these shows, right? Oh, huge! It's Absolutely. a massive production. Yeah, they do massive sketches, skits. They did a Natalie Portman thing where they literally went, rushed through her entire career. Oh, I can see Kay now waving. Yeah, oh, <laughs> excellent. Uh, yeah, which they did. That was on the very first show. I don't know if you remember that Tom Hanks was their first guest, and they did a run through of his entire career. Uh, I think it's called Roll Call. Is it? I think that's what they call yeah, that. And, and it's an incredibly involved thing, and it takes ages to rehearse. And I watched it them doing it live with Natalie Portman. What a brilliant guest Natalie Portman is. She is absolutely adorable and clearly one of the nicest people. And she to end for her to go to do this thing that is a hectic whirlwind, and to watch her doing it live, it was fantastic. So. And there's, you'll love, there's another thing that happened, which is that this couple were brought together by James very early on in the history of the show. He did, do you know, remember Street Mate with Davina McCall? Yes. You'll remember James. Oh, my God, that yeah. classic show. I don't show. know what you're talking about. 
Oh, by the way, yeah. I've told you this before, I think, but Street Mate, like Davina set, did the Street Mate on me, by the way, uh, shoot, but I'll tell you about that later. I remember you yes. saying that, yeah. She set me up. So anyway, James did a similar thing on the streets of LA and he found this guy and he, and he, put, and he said, oh, there's a woman over there just behind you. She's very attractive. And they, and, and they, and they got, ended up getting married. Oh my God. And, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, they, and they did a celebration of their wedding on the show. It was so absolutely sweet. spectacular. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm having a very good time. Thank you. Good. It looks I'm like you've caught the sun as well, Boydo. Probably. I mean, I've been walking around with my bald head out a little bit. I've had the cap on, you know. Please be safe. But it's very sunny, yeah. Mm. Okay, good. Well, but Kay and I, instead instead of going to LA and hanging out with James mm. Gordon, I mm. walked with Kay from our office to the studio in the rain. Yes. My my shoes are sodden. I'm having to like my try and dry my socks out, Boyd. So that's what you're mm, missing yeah. here. Yeah. You're missing like nice strolls with James and I in the rain. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe you should wear more appropriate shoes. I don't know, but you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot yeah. to pack my Wellington boots this morning. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Kay has, listeners, but, Kay is doing a shoeless podcast. This is uh, Yeah, my socks are on though. I'm wow. not like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> There's a brilliant bit in the next episode of Succession that I might have, might have watched, um, where Matson, you know Alexander yeah, Skarsgård yeah, yeah. character, walks from one private jet to another in his bare feet. Of course he does. Oh, Mac, and it's br- it just sums him up so brilliantly. Anyway, we'll get to that next week. It's we will special. indeed get back to that <laughs> on Pilot Plus on Thursday. In fact, <laughs> yeah. Um, what have we been watching? What have you been watching while you're out there, Boydie? What have you watched? Well. What I did was, um, because you two were banging on about The Diplomat quite a lot. <laughs> yes. And I had only watched the first two episodes, I think, when we reviewed it a couple of weeks ago. I thought, well, you know what I'll do? I'll download all the rest of the episodes onto yes. my iPhone doing the wonders, using the wonders of Netflix's downloading capacity yeah. thing. <laughs> and I watched the whole thing on the flight on the, during my 11-hour flight. Please say you enjoyed it. It is oh, no. highly enjoyable. Oh, yes, Boyd. I'm <laughs> so is, happy. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's God. brilliant. It's brilliant plain um, fodder, I have to say. Because, you know, like there's that thing about there's certain films that you watch on a plane. Like, you know that um, George Clooney, Julia Roberts film um, yes. where they're, you know, trying to stop their daughter from doing shit Indeed. from getting married? Yes. That is like classic plain fodder, right? It's like kind of, you know, middle brow, amusing, entertaining, just kind of, you know, it's got that to it. It's got a real like just entertaining, gripping storylines, fun. There's a fun a fun element to it. I, I still think I'm going to, I still think the dialogue is sometimes it's like really trying hard, too hard, which is the white burn on about when we reviewed it a few weeks ago. So every now and then I think mm, it's a little bit try hard. It's a little bit would-be West Wing-ish dialogue. And and sometimes all the characters are all speaking in the same kind of quippy way, do you know what I mean? They're all, like, happen to be incredibly smart people who are expressing themselves in this very eloquent way. The brilliant thing about Succession is they kind of, they all have their own little weird um, ways of being yeah, eloquent and yeah, funny. They're... Foibles. So that's a mind, but absolutely hugely enjoyable. And, yeah, there's, like, so brilliant you just love the, the, them as a couple and their yeah. chemistry and, like... And Kerry, absolutely, yeah, completely. But also the um, the British Secretary of State guy is fantastic yes. as well. Yes. Mm. Um, David yeah, Yassi good. from Carnival Row, from Carnival <laughs> Carnival Row star has found his best role to date. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's in this show, not Carnival Row. Um, yeah, that chemistry between him and Kerry Russell mm. is fantastic. So it is massively, massively entertaining. I want another and, uh, series. It's, quite, it's oh, there will be. I mean, there absolutely will be. There's, it's quite subversive in a way because that, 
I'm trying not to spoil it. Well, maybe we should do a spoiler special. I, ha- I have thought, requested about it. the show. Oh, you've, 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 I don't know because, if we will get it. Because James is interested in the show, he's requested the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but politically, it's quite subversive because basically, without wanting to spoil it, kind of the storyline really is quite damning of British mm. and American intelligence and what they're and ca- politicians. And morality. And government. And, yeah, yes, and mor- it really is. Yeah. And, it, and you almost don't even notice it. And then it creeps up and you're like, what are they actually saying here mm. about how far politicians will go? It's quite interesting. And, 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 the poli- and the prime minister guy, absolutely brilliant, who's kind of like got the essence of Boris Johnson <laughs> in his kind of like blowhard, you know, absolute mega twat the way he deals with everyone but he's different enough for it not to be such an obvious yeah. Boris Johnson that's because Rory you know Kinnear I mean? is godly Rory Kinnear is just stupendous so the casting is brilliant from that point of view but I really and, and the president Michael McKean who <laughs> like his scenes are just hilarious as well so all of that the way they kind of tap into current it's very current like they're literally talking about the Afghanistan, you know, the, sorry, the um, Ukraine war forms the basis of a whole storyline, really, or like the undercurrent of a whole storyline. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. it is it is and it, and it's it is quite weird as to whether it's a thriller, political thriller, or just a political drama with like you know, kind of storylines that involve various semi-thrilling activity. Yeah, it's quite a different kind of it's quite a different kind of genre to um, anything else out there at the moment. So yeah, bottom line. I was, you were right. Yeah. I wasn't wrong. I was just like, hadn't really fully got into it as much as you had. And now I'm fully, it, 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 it was fantastic. It's one of those shows that's just one of those, it's such a joy to binge shows where you just think, oh yeah. my God, this is so much fun. I'm loving it. And then it's over and you're like, huh. Mm. Yeah. And, I, and I I it's a gourmet burger. Yes, it is the gourmet burger. The ultimate. Yes, it's a gourmet burger. I kind of wish I had chewed on it slow, slower, do yeah. you know what I mean? And not just like torn mm. through them all. But, Damn it. Yeah. Damn us for being greedy. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. Kay's video's gone again, so all I can see is James's. <laughs> the angle on James, also, listeners, my angle on James is like literally kind of looking up at him. So, oh, like, like almost like worshipping yeah. at the ground that James is on. Yeah, this is yeah. good. Yeah. This, is, this is how, this we is how he's be. planned it. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So, so Boydie has watched a diplomat. Kay, have you watched And the other thing, fun? sorry. Quickly, quickly, sorry. The other thing, I've, I've, I am addicted to cable, American cable news. And you know the whole Tucker Carlson story. Oh, yes. This, as, as, and so I'm absolutely obsessed with how Fox is avoiding talking about this story, which is a massive global <laughs> media phenomenon. And they're literally ignoring it as if it's not happened. It's hilarious. And wherever, all their rivals, like CNN and MSNBC, are literally talking about it nonstop, 24 hours a day. So um, that's amusing me uh, very much. And Tucker Carlson just put out a ridiculous statement out today, and it's all very interesting. Oh, I haven't so, seen yeah. this statement. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It, it, it's incredible. That classic self-serving bullshit. You know, <laughs> I mean, he, so, yeah. like you, was on 20 20 million a year, though, so I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, same, very similar. Yeah. What drink yeah. have you just opened, James, very just loudly? Opened, I was trying to do it subtly no, while Boyd was talking. I was trying to open my can of Coke. It was so go, loud. No. I was trying to do it in between so Darren could cut it out, but now you just made it part of the show and I'm stuffed. Yeah. Can't do anything with it. Everyone should know, exposed, that you shouldn't be drinking or eating in the... Uh, I mean, we broke the rules, obviously, oh, spectacularly. Yeah, I know. in here. We really rubbed it in their faces, but um, no, D- James is doing his homage again to the Diet Coke break. That's Great. it. Yeah, I'm not rubbing all over myself, mainly because it's <laughs> fucking freezing yeah, in the studio today. I know. We've gone from one extreme to the other. We've gone from sweating and dying of 40 degrees to what it is now. And I'm looking over at the air conditioner now. It is set to 22 degrees. Is it 22 degrees in here? Is it is fuck? It fuck? Like, mm. it's, it's what? It feels about eight. It is I'm freezing. I might put my coat You know on. what? I, I am quite <laughs> sweltering right now because <laughs> I took the opportunity. I turned the, my air conditioning in my hotel 
hotel room off thinking, oh, oh James is going to hate me if I have so that. It is loud. Yeah. And then we have this whole malarkey with me echoing anyways. Well, you're not echoing now. You are distorting. We, like It's not the best audio quality, but we're going to let oh, it slide because it's not your fault. Right. It's just, you know. It's just good to have him in our It's just good to have him here. Exactly. It's just good to have him here. So is that that's everything you've watched, Boydie? That's all. We're done. Pretty much. Yeah, okay. I'm done now. Okay. Yeah, what have you been watching? I have been watching. So uh, I'm following on from uh, Boydie last week, and a lot of our listeners who had tweeted us, and I have finally watched Colin from Accounts. Oh, okay, mm. I've heard and, about this. Oh my god, James, you have to watch it. I mean, I, I think even you would like it. No, no, pre- no. Just give it a go. Watch what channel is it on? It's on iPlayer. Okay. So it's a it's an approved channel for you, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> and he looked at me so like he was really expecting me to say ITV. Then look at him. I lured him. I in. don't know what you're talking yeah. about. I he don't had that know what you're void. He had that little where you can see. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I can yeah. see. Well, it's slightly yeah. smug, elitist look. Isn't yeah, exactly. Saying? And I then I said people see and he was like, oh, we're right then. Um, anyway, but it's really good. And I, I just don't know how I miss. How did you miss it, boy? Because I get you know like you flag stuff that I would like. And how did we miss? It. Oh, all right. I'm going to look at conduct a full inquiry. <laughs> so essentially, <laughs> what, what I didn't listen to yeah. you got that. It's Boyd's fault. It's no. Yeah, it's my fault. No, yeah. no, no, it is no, Boyd's no. fault. No, apologies. Yeah. I didn't mean that. I just meant collectively, how did we not know? Like, mm. was it something that just dropped, or did you know, did they not really um, announce it? What's going on? BBC Two is a bit like there's a lot of a lot of um, import stuff, American stuff, relevant on BBC Two, and they don't really I don't really highlight it. You know, they haven't got time to kind of you know, imports, comedy, American and Australian, etc. comedy imports is not their highest priority. So sometimes things arrive and yeah. you're like, I don't know what that is. And you just kind of ignore it. Basically, until I imagine it wasn't really that thing. expensive. I think if it's stuff that they spent a lot of money on or it's an original product, yeah. then they'll publicize the shit out of it. But if they pick it up right. for a bargain, I think it's, it's a mistake a though, because I mean, so to be fair, I mean, they sort of haven't needed to in a way because like just word of mouth, like everyone seems to be just saying to each other, have you yeah. seen this? Have you seen this? You know, so um, yeah. So anyway, whoever recommended it to me, um, and in- Me? <laughs> <laughs> whoever and, it may be, we don't no, know. But whoever it might have been. No, I didn't. <gasps> <gasps> wash your mouth out, boy. <laughs> no, I know you spoke about it last week, but there was a listener before that, as you will oh, recall, and okay. that's why you watched oh, it, in fact. See, um, CK, you're getting sassed because he's not in studio, yeah, so he exactly. he feels safe. He's like in his safe space. Void, I will always get you from wherever you are. Um, but yeah, so I watched that Thank and you. I loved it. I, it was really good. It's a great Aussie, funny rom-com, and I'd recommend everyone checks it out including James I'm going to insist on this that you should watch an episode and let me know what you think sure have you watched anything else <laughs> no that's it okay good good uh, I took a leaf out of my mum's book this week and oh, I yeah. picked up for all mankind again I am back in the game I've been I think because I finished season one and I just kind of took a break and then I just didn't get back to it but I watched the first episode of season two and I've forgotten it was one I've seen before because we reviewed season two on this podcast and I've forgotten how incredible the first episode of season two of For All Mankind is. It's the one with the solar storm. Don't know if you remember, Boydie. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, hell brilliant. of an episode! That is a yeah. hell of an episode. So I'm very much back into For, more, for All Mankind. I will say that uh, Arsenal appeared. What? In Ted Lasso what? this week, or rather last week, after oh. this podcast goes out. And, uh, and thrashed Richmond. Oh, no, I can't have yeah. that. Yes, I mean, obviously, yeah. suspension of disbelief, obviously, is a bit far-fetched, but uh, it's Oh, fine. actually, can I just have a side uh, note? Like, I, love, sorry, I love James trying to um, <laughs> work out what's going on in football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do the football. So, so, but you say that. So so I was watching that episode, and there is a whole bit where they're playing total football, which I looked up, and it's an actual thing. And, uh, and, and, I, and I was watching them play it, and I was quite invested in the actual playing of the game and the kicking of the little ball in a way that I am absolutely not in actual football games. And I was trying to work out what 
invest in me. And I obviously it's they have an emotional connection, I guess, to the characters. Like that's that's mm. why I care. So when the little ball goes into the net, I'm like, woo! You know, whereas normally I'd be like, mm, whatever. But I yeah, I was actually getting quite yeah, into the, the gaminess of it. Mm. Side note, Boyd, have you heard weird. that apparently Nike have done a sort of a Richmond FC collab? Is that if I made that up? Someone told me the other day and I haven't researched um, it. If so, I'm into well, it. I'm getting a t-shirt. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, uh, I, I remember they, they, you could get, I was sent a Richmond FC um, strip what? for I Series 1. Yeah. <gasps> you lucky thing. Um, but then they had a whole storyline in which they changed the strip design anyway because they have the new sponsor, etc. So that made that kind of um, obsolete, really. So yeah, I need a new, I need oh, a new Richmond guys, FC. Live and what? direct Googling here. Yes, they have. It is oh, a okay. um, Nike Richmond AFC thing. Oh, it's been sponsored. It's got banter on the front. Huh. And it's got the little um, Greyhound logo. Oh, yeah. I mean, not really my preferred colours, so probably not going to purchase. But, you know, listener service there in case you want to buy one. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad James brought up Arsenal, though, because I should say, as anyone who knows me will know, and um, a lot of, a lot, there's quite, there are quite a few crossover listeners of, of my Arsenal podcast and this podcast, believe it or not. And um, I, I, in recovery from yesterday's absolutely diabolical capitulation to Manchester City. Which oh, shit, do you lose? You, you got to see it then, in the end, no, while you, you're yeah, juggling VPNs and, you know. I fucked that. I, I, luckily, <laughs> my great friend Ben um, invited me over to his fantastic house. Oh, my God, and, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Let's give some context. Are you talking about Ben Winston, the super producer? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. My friend Ben, i.e. The, the most famous like <clears throat> producer you know, around at the moment, <clears throat> Invited you to his probably palatial mansion to watch the football. Yes, yes, yes. Um, can I ask you what snacks did he provide, if any? Okay, I mean, what delicious. Um, <gasps> do you know, have you heard of John and Vinny's? No, John what and is Vinny's that? is a legendary um, LA Italian restaurant. Oh god, pasta pizza. You did an ordering. We did hit an ordering. It was <gasps> delicious. Uh, all of this were highlights. His wonderful house, his wonderful dog, lovely people. It was a few of us, you know, three or four of us Arsenal fans watching. But the actual game was a complete and utter fucking disaster. So, yeah. Oh, Boydo. Yeah. 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 So, you see, the yeah. problem was, Boydy, they weren't doing total football. That's where they went wrong. <laughs> no, um, in many ways, it was because we tried to do total football and we shouldn't have done. And we should have just, yeah. Anyway, let's not go into it's, it's, <laughs> it's too. It's too raw. It's too soon. Let's, it's hope, raw. let's hope seeing James Corden's show tonight and the glorious sunshine lifts your mood, Boyd. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure let, it will. Let's hope that happens. Uh, I also saw Polite Society this week. That's a film, but it's uh, Nida Manzur's film who did We Are Lady Parts. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is, uh, which oh, is a lot yeah. of fun. Enjoyed I that. that. Yes. Uh, when are we getting Lady Parts back? I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a broader question for me generally. But, I, think, uh, I think a long time in that case. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. We should find out. Yeah, we should find out. I want to see uh, series two of that. The other thing I want to talk about is this. The Star Trek Picard finale. Mm. So so, so the finale aired. We have recorded a spoiler special, right? Like, so that we have, have a spoiler we? special. Yes. We, the important people. So me, James Wright, and Helen O'Hara recorded. Me, oh. James Dyer, James Dyer, <laughs> and James Dyer have recorded. Yes. We recorded yeah. a Star Trek Picard season three spoiler special, which you can listen to now on the Pilot Plus feed. But my, the reason I bring it up is because I feel I am slightly out of step with the majority of people in that I didn't like it. And, oh God. and you know, it, it's tricky. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we cover this off on the spoiler special, but I feel like that season, the first half of that third season is incredible. And I feel like the second half is less so. And the finale... 
Do you really want to know? Okay. Are Not you really. actually I was asking being, I was, for a breakdown? No, I was being polite. Just what in a nutshell, though. Why? Uh, I feel like they went to a well that they have been to many times before from a plot Backstory. perspective. Oh, fine. Okay, fine. And they did something. It, it feels like they... You know, they were trying to hit certain. It was Terry Metalis who's, who's who was trying to hit his showrunner, and he did a very good job. But I think for the second half, I get why he made the decision he made, narratively speaking. But I just think we've been there for too many times. I just thought at that a bit point, of recycling going a little on. bit of recycling, mm-hmm. and I think he was trying to hit a lot of emotional beats. And weirdly, I think the emotional beats did land. I just think the plot beats maybe didn't as well. Uh, like I say, my thoughts on this are in depth and quite complicated, and I talk about it for like an hour on the Pilot Plus feed. Oh, so, okay, that's something you know, for everyone to look forward to. So that's something yeah. for Kay to listen to, you know. And boy. <laughs> when he's going to sleep maybe tonight you can put it on and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen to me um, talk about Star Trek maybe I'll, yeah maybe I'll listen to something else um, no uh, you have very but you have very you know what you have exasperatingly high mm. kind of plot standards sometimes about these things while everyone yes. else is just enjoying the vibe yes. you know of like all these characters coming back and all of that and people generally as you say have loved that I haven't actually had time to watch the finale yet um, but I'm, I, I, I don't agree. With, I think the second half of the season has been really fun and really good, and I've enjoyed it. But you have such high, like, stop plot. You've decided some plot lines, like, oh, they've done that too much before. And that, you're like, do you know why? It's, I it's think just, it's just irritating how that. And, and I think like sometimes you have to let things viscerally, you know, enjoy it on a visceral level rather than just kind of. It's the same with all those Star Wars things. Your 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 fury is often built around oh that you know. A huge thing would never happen, and that person, that character. What well, Mandalorian that. finale, for example, the same thing. I, yeah. had, I had similar issues yeah, with Mandalorian. Of course, you did. Mm. Yeah, I think it's yeah. because he Just can't out, fully. <laughs> um, I think it's because he can't fully switch off his analytical brain. I know, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so he has, yeah. he's constantly like, you know, weighing every aspect yeah. of it up. He can't let it just, he can't bathe in it like, you know, yeah, other completely. people can. I tried to bathe in it. I know. I just, I, I struggled. Bathe in the Picard. Yeah, there were moments, there were genuine moments where I thought this is like, on a pure level, like I was welling up, like this is wonderful. But then there would be something plotty where I'm just like, I don't understand why you've done this. It's upset me. Maybe you don't have to always understand the roots of it. Maybe you just like <laughs> I enjoy need to know. it. Tell me, <laughs> tell me. Yeah, uh, Patrick anyway. Stewart, by the way, was on last night's Late Late Show, the penultimate one. Was so. he now? Yeah, Issuing a public apology, no doubt. Uh, kidding, kidding, <laughs> just enough, kidding, not. just kidding. Did he have his little flute with him? His little fl- yeah, the little flute from the one episode of Star Trek <laughs> no. that you've seen. Yeah. No, he did not have his flute with him. Uh, obsessed, obscure. <laughs> Kate is obsessed with Patrick Stewart's little flute. Yeah, yeah. You and the little flute. Right, okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's have our first guest. Uh, fresh off Fleischman is in trouble, Lizzie Kaplan returns to our screens this week. Uh, as Fatal Attraction's Alex Forrest, who embarks on an affair with Joshua Jackson's Dan Gallagher, which goes, I don't think it's weird to say, dangerously violently wrong. Uh, Lizzie hung out with Kay recently, and this is what happened. Hello, Lizzie. Welcome. Hello. I'm welcoming you, but you're welcoming into your hotel room. So, yes, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're here promoting your new series, Fatal Attraction. And I wanted to start off by finding out what attracted you to the project. What and of course, the role attracted me to the yes. project. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge fan of the film, Fatal Attraction. I think it's wonderful. Um, I think it's just as exciting and erotic and suspenseful and scary as ever. But I also think uh, there aren't a ton of examples of, you know, beloved films that I think should be revisited in any way. But I do think there was something about Fatal Attraction and then reading what I read uh, Glenn uh, Close's interviews about it and how much work she put into her character of Alex Forrest's mental health and how little room there was for that in the film. 
it did seem like one of the few examples that we could maybe go back and reopen the book on and find something new. Absolutely. And were you a fan of the original, like, is that kind of, that would have been during the 80s, right? So you were a fan of the original film. I was. I was five when it came out. (laughs) So maybe didn't watch it at five. No, (laughs) no, didn't see it at five, but young, definitely too young, but I don't remember exactly when the first time. And as time went on, and presumably you might have watched it again, what were your thoughts about Alex as a character? I mean, your thoughts then and as opposed to now with the sort of reinterpretation of her backstory? I think when I first watched it, it's safe to assume that I watched it in the same spirit as the audiences did at the time of its release, uh, which really was Michael Douglas is a really stand-up great guy. (laughs) One bad judgment move, and it's so funny to think about it now. So, like, Michael Douglas, a guy, he makes one mistake with this woman, and this woman then deserves to die. This horrible, evil woman who threatens to upend this family man's perfect life. And at no point did we really stop to think, well, hold on a second. He was the one that was married. He's the one with the kid. He has at least a hand in this. He he has some responsibility here. And maybe it's not the most satisfying ending in the world when, you know, domesticity triumphs over this evil harlot of a woman. Maybe we should ask more questions about her, what she was going through, and how she was misled by this guy. And, and they really... I think one of the things that I found most interesting about the film and now in the show was that it wasn't one mistake. I mean, that's sort of how they build the whole thing, but it was actually like a true connection between two people. And I think if you struggle with very severe mental illness and you crank that up to 11, maybe those mixed signals could possibly lead to, you know, some of the things that happened. <laughs> maybe not all the things, but some of the things. Um, and so, yeah, I I watched it originally thinking like, oh, she's the bad guy. He's the good guy. She needs to be thwarted and he needs to save his perfect family. When I watched it later and the most recent times was after uh, I read the the pilot script for this or the first episode script for this, it was impossible for me to not want to know more about Alex, to not feel some level of compassion for what she was going through. And it wasn't because I was gearing up to potentially play this role. It was so obvious, like Glenn Close did all of this work. It was right there. How could you not have some follow-up questions about what was going on? So now I think if that movie was released now, I don't know if it would have been the smash hit that it was because I think audiences have changed pretty dramatically. Yeah, I'd say almost certainly you couldn't make it now without exploring that aspect, yeah. right? It's a different time for sure. And so can you just go into a bit how your character is different this time round and how much you go into the backstory and the mental health issues? Because as you say, one of the big things was that it wasn't ever really addressed, it wasn't labelled, and we just saw her as this psycho bunny boiler, which to be fair, she did kill the rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> she did boil the bunny. Yeah, but um, yeah, how how do you explore that further in this Well, we have more time. We have the luxury of time as well as, you know, audiences expect different things now. And I don't think Alex Cunningham, who wrote the show, I don't think that she would have raised her hand to run this thing if she didn't think that there was more material to be mined out of Alex. Um, And also Dan's character, by the way. I mean, she 
we all, Josh and Alex and I talked at, at length about how the Dan character really shouldn't get off so scot-free. And I say that even though, like, obviously in, in the film, Alex Forrest, like, makes his life a living hell. He doesn't get off scot-free in that way. But he doesn't seem to feel particularly guilty. Oh, we excuse him. Yes. We're like, oh, he's just, you know, like, oh, he this one mistake, poor guy. Poor guy. Now you look back and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? I know. <laughs> I, it's it's wild. I don't, I, I struggle to remember a scene where he apologizes to no. his wife. And... I don't think he does. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think he does either. It's it's yeah. nuts. <laughs> I know. He's like, he's not a great guy. No. And for whatever reason, that was not something that excluded him from the great guy club in 1987. Mm -hmm. Now, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People don't like that shit now. <laughs> <laughs> causes problems. Yeah, sure does. Um, but yeah, you say you had a greater length of time to explore the relationship as well from both sides. I think what comes across is that it sort of like shows the slow burn build of the relationship as well. It's not this immediate, obviously the attraction is clear, but it's not just a sex thing, instant sex thing. It's like it slowly builds up and there's a connection there. That's the truth. It's not, and even in the film, uh, they don't have this like one-off drunken moment with each other. They really get along. They do have a connection on a deeper level. We have, again, more time to explore that here, but... I see why Alex is confused. I see why she thinks that this is a guy that she might have a future with. Yeah. Why wouldn't she think that? I thought that when I was watching. Good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what What are the key differences? Would you say are about you know from the original? Is there anything else? Because I noticed you explore like the flashback element. Yes. So we get to uh, explore more deeply Alex's childhood, her relationship with her father, which I think informs so much of what she does as an adult. Uh, we deal more with the, the consequences that Dan has to face, both legally and within his own family. And then we touch upon some generational trauma as a little, as a little bonus. <laughs> From both sides or just her side? Uh, I'm thinking mostly of uh, Ellen, his daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, as you say, Glenn Close was a massive... It was so passionate about this character and a defender of her, especially like since the film came out. Um, has she been in touch? Have you communicated at all? Or are you just start, starting, you know, fresh? This is a new iteration. It does feel like a fresh iteration. Yeah. I haven't um, spoken to her. Yeah. One day, I hope our paths will <laughs> well, cross. She, no doubt she'll watch this. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not tuned into Glenn Close's viewing habits. <laughs> who knows? But... Uh, I don't see our fatal attraction as a straight remake at all. I think it's very much its own thing. I think our Alex Forrest is very much her own thing, uh, but of course, fully inspired by what Glenn Close did. And I, I mean, it's one of the greatest performances in cinematic history, at least for me personally. I think she's iconic. Yeah, beyond. And what was it like working with um, Joshua? Have you worked with him before? Never. Oh. I've never even met Josh before. Josh is, he was an ideal partner for this. We have both been in this game a long time. We have had to do subject matter similar to some of the stuff we had to do together here. So I think we have a very similar mindset about how to keep it light and how to least acknowledge the ridiculousness of parts of her job. Um, I adore Josh. He was a great 
partner. I'm so happy it was him. It would have been a full nightmare if we didn't get along as well as we did. And, you know, not unlike the film, we're really only together for the first chunk of episodes, and then we're kind of off doing our own thing. And it was definitely more fun getting to hang out with with my buddy Josh than all the episodes that came later. Listen, as a big sort of uh, Pisces fan, yeah. Dawson's Creek, I'm delighted to hear this. Because if you'd burst my bubble, it would just oh, be like a... Dis- <laughs> Don't worry. I probably would have said the same thing if he was an asshole. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> But he's honest. not. But he wasn't. <laughs> and yes, I, yes, Pacey's a, Pacey's a middle-aged man. <laughs> Still <laughs> looking good. Um, the show promises like some Easter eggs, which I've, I've noticed a couple already. What can you hint about that? And also, crucially, were any bunnies harmed in the making of this? You have to see. You know? I know. You have to wait and see. But I think that's my favorite Easter egg that they show the bunny like, at the end of episode one. Yeah. But maybe not in a pot. Not yet. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We're all excited to see, and I'm sure you'll win a legion more fans with this uh, iteration. Thanks. Right, that was Kate and Lizzie Kaplan. Should we have a listener question? Yeah. I did share one with you earlier, but before we do that, before we do that, I want to share something else with you. Something happened on Monday. I got a message from reception here at the studio saying, James, someone's come into the office and left something for you. I said, have they? Poo in a box. <laughs> he said, "Yeah." He said, "Paul's come in, and Paul has dropped something off." Now, Paul the baker. So, so <gasps> this bag here. Wait, wait, wait! This what? bag Hold here is a plastic bag containing things, and it comes with it a letter. And the letter says, "From Paul." I can't work out whether this is the hated Paul. It may oh, be the hated Paul. I'm not, not sure. That's this is true. Paul Etherington, and he has said, "It says James Boyd and K Pilot TV Podcast." Care of Bauer Media. Dear all, <laughs> screen and wine meet. And so it happens, two of my favourite things, TV and entertainment and wine, come together. Please enjoy the enclosed. Oh and, he's, and some bullet points. And he has put in here. Wait, she's put in here. Wait for it, wait for it. Wait, hang on, hang on. It's, got, so, it's so frustrating because I've got two screens between me and James have, and right, I can't okay. see anything. I'm going to take the stuff out one by one. Right. We have number one. Sweet white wine for James for not eating with cake, despite what you may have been told. Best enjoyed with cheese, and it is called Petit Giraud. It's not Chateau Picard, is it? Uh, Petit Giraud. That's no, for your super taste buds. It's good. It's good for my super taste buds. It's a little, little, little. There you go. This is, and here we go. Red for K. I do in like moderation, of course. <laughs> yeah, and this is Chateau. Again, it's not Picard, but it's close. This is Chateau Pemartin. <gasps> So there you go. There you go. That's for you, Kay. Thank you. That's for you, Kay. And then, I mean, literally, I will have to have a thimble of that because I will get shit. For Boyd, water to wash down medicine (laughs) while watching wine drinkers. (laughs) Oh, because of he's remembered about. Yeah, that's so thoughtful. There's a little bottle of water, a little bottle of uh, Kirkland's drinking water for Boydie. So thank you, Paul. Who is this? Can I see the note? You can see the note. I just, but the thing is, I can't remember the surname of the hated Paul, so I'm not sure if this is the actual hated Paul or a different Paul. Can I just say also how lovely. He's actually typed it out and signed it. Yes, well. yes, he has. He's done it in the traditional way. One yeah, writes a letter. <laughs> I'm gonna. F- no. <laughs> Dickhead. No, but some people don't even go to the effort of signing James. They might, you know, as in like, you know, in a quill. He's That's done true. It. He could have yes. asked Jack GBT to uh, to just do a letter, and he didn't, and that was good. So, uh, so pleased about that. 
Okay. That's brilliant. That's this is this much. is a fantastic letter. I know they've just taken the piss out of me for describing what a letter is for. <laughs> but this is a fantastically um, written letter and very sweet gesture. I'm going to find out. I think it is... I, we can't call him hated Paul because that's wrong. Cause he well, it may not be the hated Paul. It may be a different Paul. Oh, if it, is, if it isn't him, then he has gone back to being hated. Oh, my God. You know <laughs> who this guy is? Who? It's Paul the Wine Guy. What? How did neither of you get that Friends reference? Honestly, what is wrong with you? You call yourselves TV critics. Uh, Paul yeah. the Wine Guy yeah. from season no, one of Friends. Still, no, it hasn't no? landed. This is season Paul the Wine Guy. Yeah. Right, wow. from now on, Paul, whether you're the hated Paul or not, you have to change your Twitter handle now to Paul the Wine Guy. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, this is the thing that has to happen. I'm going to research. Well, carry on. Right, you carry on researching. So the question this week, the actual question, which comes not with, you know, libations, comes from Sandy Nicholson. And this is question for the pod. What's the worst slash least favorite TV show you've watched every episode of? No miniseries. So I guess what he's asking is hate watches. He's talking about hate watches, isn't he? Or stuff that you've just kind of pressed on through because you felt you had to. So for me... Season one of, of Raised by Wolves definitely falls into this category where I watched the whole thing and at the end of it, I, I had a certain amount of self-loathing that I'd actually done that to myself. Boy, did you hate watch anything or do you only love the things um, No, I, do you know what? I have to be honest, I completely forgot about this question that would, that you sent um, <laughs> ages ago because I was half asleep. And I was literally nothing. asleep. I was literally asleep when you sent that message about this question. But what does come to mind is because of, um, they, I think they announced this week the return of um, and just like that, right? The uh, the Sex in the City. Oh, they did. Yes, um, that's right. Sequel. And I did hate watch season one. I have to say, you watched the whole uh, thing. I watched I the did whole as thing. Well, yeah. What is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, do you remember there was a loads of debate about it at the time among yeah. Sex and the City fans? You know, and the first couple of episodes, there was obviously there was the ridiculous big shower scene, death scene, which was insane, um, where basically she sat watching him die. Yeah, <laughs> which was half. Yeah. Famously, um, and then there are all these like really excruciating attempts by the by them to incorporate every single you know identity politics issue of the day. Oh my god! Can we talk about that yeah. horrendous podcast? Yeah, and the po- Che, everything. that awful character yeah, Che. Exactly, all of that, right? What, and have you been, have you watched the trailer for the new? Which, this is should no. be news, obviously. Oh well, I mean, it looks even worse in terms of like. I do like uh, the character. Um, who's the new woman? Her best, her new good friend, Seema, yeah. is it? I like her. She was good. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I definitely. I, I really I carried on watching that whole series, and there were one or two actually really decent episodes, but a lot of it was hate watching as well. Um, so that was the one that came to mind mainly because of the announcement this week of the new series coming quite soon. I think sooner than we expected. And the other one that comes to mind actually is Thirteen Reasons Why was the te- a teen. Oh uh, you know, yeah, a, that teen. Um, and you watched was... second season, didn't you? Oh, and third. You watched the third one. Yeah, no yeah. One I persevered with it. <laughs> no, I really persevered with that show. Um, partly because I was fascinated by it. it. Had a really weird mix of like Dawson's Creaky, normal teen, you know, quite light, you know, stuff, and really harsh, hardcore violence, yeah. sexual violence grappling with issues in a very kind of gritty, slightly too over-the-top way. So I was just fascinated by the whole kind of tone of it, and I did carry on watching right to the bitter end, and it was quite bitter in the end, I have to say. Okay. Yeah, I I hate when that happens, when you kind of force your way through. I mean, I've done it with a number of my shows. So if we talk about Motherland Fort Salem, which I love, the one with the shouty witches. I thought you said Motherland, then I was about to fly into a fury. No, no, this is Fort Salem. (laughs) The third season of that was dreadful, and I watched all of it. Like genuinely, and as, as I was watching, I was like, "Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to myself?" 
and yet continue to do it. And actually, I felt that way a little bit about the Netflix Marvel shows as well. Like, so oh, season yeah. two of Jessica Jones, I think it was season two of Daredevil as well. Like you're getting like you're in you're getting into your sort of like twelfth hour of it, and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, it's it's a lot. I mean, Terminal List. <laughs> I did watch all of the episodes, and at the end, I was just like, come on, just push for the finish line. I quite enjoyed it, but I did feel a little bit. I wasn't proud of myself. Put it that way. No, you shouldn't be proud of yourself. Yeah, um, you should be ashamed of yourself. But it's that classic poker thing, isn't it? It's the good money after bad thing, isn't it? Right? Where, when you've invested like four hours, and you think, "Well, there are only eight episodes. I've only got to watch another four hours, and then I'm done." Like you feel like, "Go on, I just push on through." And it's even worse if you've watched multiple seasons beforehand, because then you feel like, "Well, I've invested all this time, so I should carry on going." I used to have was- a thing where I would always, like, if I'd watched multiple seasons of a show, I would always just keep going. Like, I, I, like, I, I was like, mm. I put too much into this. I've, I'm too invested. I can't, I can't turn away. But now, now I'm just like, no, I'm done. I'm out. I'm finished. Well, you know, it's about time you've learned that lesson. God, you grew I can't, as a person. I've been Kate? distracted throughout the whole thing because I've been trying to find Paul. Oh, oh. so you have no answer because you have Oh, no I see. No, I wonder I'm, why you went so quiet. Yeah, because I was just like furiously scrolling. And I think Paul might have changed his name. And there's oh. another Paul on here. Wumble Paul. <laughs> I can't, I'm frustrated because I can't find Paul who sent us this Well, you'll wine. be able to find him next week because he'll have changed his name to Paul the Wine Guy. Okay, fine. Well, either way, I just want to say thank you, Paul the Wine Guy, because we can't find yes, him. Yes, thank you. I did probably didn't say that. I should have said that. Yes, thank yes, you, Paul. Yes, many thanks. Paul, thank also, you for the wine, which I'm reasonably confident is poison, but I will, I'm prepared to take the, you know, no, the chance. I'm, do you know what? And it's made me think, maybe we should get together for the next pod and we should all drink it while we're uh, recording. That'll be fun. What, die live on stage yeah, when the toxins pod. like seize us and kill us? <laughs> Look, he's not trying to kill... He's done this nice thing. Why would your brain go to that? He's trying to the poison The tears us. of lease. That's, that's what that is what you'll find at the bottom of these Anyway, pods. I'm suggesting pissed pod, but I didn't have an answer for this question because I tend not to hate watch. <laughs> no, I thought about it. It's funny because but... I hate everything you watch, so that's weird. <laughs> Mm. I might use this bottle just to smash <laughs> my bottle chase. I think Paul would approve of that. <laughs> yeah, I think he would too. I think that's why he sent me this bread. Yeah. Um, no, because I can't be, like, there's so much good TV on that I'm not going to put myself through. I, I know what Boyd means about um, And Just Like That because I wasn't particularly enamoured and I just couldn't stop watching it. But other than that, I can't think of an example of a show that I've just actively loathed and continued because I just think, oh no, I'd rather watch something good. Are you not maybe just more tolerant? I'm not a belligerent bellend like you, um, but yeah, yeah, I know. Undoubtedly, I'm, I don't have your exacting standards. I want to be like it depends on what I'm watching and what I'm watching for. If I'm just looking for some light entertainment, I'm a, I'm able to let things you know wash over me in a yeah. way that you cannot. Well, here's the thing: like I remember someone once saying, to "I'm me, more tolerant." Yeah, I mean, just generally. Mm-hmm. But someone said to me recently, oh, you know, but don't you ever just watch stuff when you just turn on the TV and see what's on?" And I was just like, "I genuinely don't think in my life." I have ever just turned on the TV to but see what's on. that's something about your... <laughs> that is a In my thing, life, right? Ever. <laughs> mm. Like, when I sit down, it is with a purpose. I'm sitting down to watch sure. this. I don't want to, you know, psychoanalyze oh you, but I think that God. says something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it says a lot. I mean, yeah. that is like... That is ridiculous. Everyone does that. No, Every I've, human I being. have that's never the, done it. Ever. Well, even before... Wait a minute. Let's think back to the days before all of this TV stuff, streaming and all of that. Sure. And just, you know... Just you do you go home after a long day's work, you know, writing about Star Trek or whatever, and then just relax and just turn on the TV and go, oh, what's on? I have no. a look. You just never done. No. Oh my God. I would always, uh, if in that, those situations, I would have either gone back, I would have immediately gone to my extensive VHS library and chosen oh something and put it on. You are Dawson. Yeah. I would never ever mad. just turn on and see what's on there because invariably what's on would be shit. So I, uh, yeah. We I don't, don't know. I know it's every now and then there's, there's, there's good stuff on. That's, 
That is mad. Yeah, no, no, it's, I, it's weird. I, it never really occurred to me that this was unusual behaviour until until you just pointed it out. <laughs> but surely you do like other kinds of browsing. Like, do you ever go on the internet without a purpose? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's the difference? Just guess. fucking switch on the TV and go there without purpose and just see what you find. No, I just. But it just seems like I don't. I guess because I feel like I don't have enough hours in the day. You know, I don't have hours to just right, okay, sit wait and minute, just... Wait, 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 wait. I'm not accepting that. You don't have enough hours yeah. in a day, yet you are watch, re-watching The West Wing. Yeah, but that with, mm. with deliberate You're... purpose. Oh, gosh. But no, I will. I will always have, like, as I sit down, like, before I sit down, I will know what I'm sitting down to watch as I sit down. Like, that's... I'm I'm here to watch this. I'm going to find it. I'll put it on. Okay, wait a minute. Before this podcast... Before don't this, try and the understand whole thing. Him, before the podcast, yes. Did you, did you, would you have like TV listings then? How do you know exactly when everything you needed to watch was on? Like, how did well, you? Well, because you, you, you TiVo things. So the equivalent, I can't remember what it was called. It wasn't called a TiVo here. It was a Panasonic thing I had. But I used to watch, I used to record stuff and then watch it. I would rarely watch stuff when it was actually broadcast. So I'd always Before have that, go, no, no, no. Come on, let's go back like what, 15 right, okay, years. Okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me shed some light onto what I would do. This is I'm absolutely what, true. I'm scared what we're going to find this rummaging absolute, in his When like, I was brain. at university, when I was at university, I had a, my room at home, I had my, my video recorder and I had it hooked up to Sky, obviously. And what I would do is, I, you, remember, you, you remember VHS tapes used to have long play where you could turn a four-hour mm. tape into an eight-hour mm. tape. What mm. I would do is my video recorder would be programmed to within an inch of its life using the little, you remember you used to have little codes at the end of TV listings. I forget yeah. what they were called. Was it TV Plus they were called? I don't know. Yes. But, and they used to, so it would automatically tell your video recorder what show you were trying to record. So even if the time changed, it would kind of compensate for it. So I would program my video recorder to record all the shows I liked, and it would record them while I was away. And then I would come home like every couple of weeks, get the tape out, switch another one, and then I'd have the tape with all the stuff that oh I wanted to God. watch on it. So this is mad. Even back then, in the this 90s, is, I had TV on demand. This is terrifying. That's how I recorded it. James, a little this part of my soul just died. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to I used to have a little TV listings thing and I used to go through it with a highlighter at the beginning of the month to pick out the things that I wanted to watch in the in, That's quite you do realize you do realize right this is this is how old I am and how long I've been doing this Oh kind my god C-facts please C-facts I probably I probably edited I probably edited that listings oh. with those video plus codes and we used to have to generate those video plus codes yeah Did you? When, when yeah yeah it was a nightmare That's yeah. amazing That's so And it was sweet. a great day when video plus codes were no longer it was like they they became obsolete Obviously, and there was a, br- and I remember all of the publications slowly were like, "Oh, we don't need those anymore." I was like, "No, you don't fucking need those." Video <laughs> yeah, they were the bane of your but life. I, but that that ex- that in- insight into your life as a, mm, as scary. a uh, video plus using pre-record <laughs> session nerd is brilliant. And oh my god, that's but it's that's so, so sweet funny. to think that you and James had bonded and connected yes. so many before years we ago. even knew each other. Yeah. You were influencing my life, Boydie. <laughs> but it explains a lot, yeah, because you know, like. There's loads of like pro- like comedies that people you know just switch on the TV and go yeah. roughly you happen know upon. this time there's yeah that will happen upon there's a comedy but James just never did that. yeah I feel because like it was, it was always sad appointment TV for me I missed a lot of these things because I wouldn't have chosen to watch them and I wouldn't have accidentally encountered no. them yeah his so. brain has said no comedy shall ever pass my eyeball <laughs> so he wouldn't seek it out yeah so yeah. yeah I can't be the only one like there must be I refuse to believe that no one listening to this podcast is as deliberate about TV as I am no, if you are please write in and tell age, us from such a young age mm. yeah well because I used to look forward to getting my little listings thing and then go through it so I'd go through all the TV shows and highlight the new what shows kind of that were starting yellow pink. standard Always oh pink. pink yeah because the, the paper it had like often had used yellow in the thing so you needed a pink oh one because you needed to do it. <laughs> anyway so, oh and, and, and I would go through all the films as well like oh I'll, I'll watch that oh that reads good and I'd you know, read the little review listings and and, and Highlight up the films I wanted to see. I must, I must start my novel about a uh, psychopathic serial killer. <laughs> Isn't it? I'm so happy you said that. 
I was thinking yeah. that this is sort of all the yeah. hallmarks of a fucking brilliant psychopath. character. <laughs> it's the equivalent of um, like the guy in Seven, yeah, you know, with all those notebooks. John Doe's diary. You go back you to are... James's like room, and he has like cut out yeah. the pages all highlighted around him. Yeah, furious that Video Plus codes have become obsolete. He's going to go and kill whoever. <laughs> and then you lift up, you look at, you lift up his long sleeve shirt, and he's got a tattoo of one of his favourite codes just there. Oh my god, James, yeah. this is a novel ready to be written. Yeah. I mean, we won't even get into the fact that I used to go to the video store and hire out the Deep Space Nine double packs where you get two episodes of Deep Space Nine to rent them out together. Very exciting. It's how I watched the final season. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on from that. I guess we've got that aside, can I just say, that aside, that's how I watched the final season. It's one of the great <laughs> nerdy things you've ever said. That's how I watched the final season. <laughs> Brilliant. It's like, so for example, how I watched Quantum Leap was they were doing reruns of Quantum Leap in the mid to late Quantum 90s. And Dude, they were on Sky One every day. Every and and I recorded it, right? them all like that. And then I had this tape just full of Quantum Leaps that I would then binge at university. Did you have friends? <laughs> no. I didn't want to say yeah, it's fine. They're all square, sh- they're rectangular shapes. Yes, my friend was Dr. Sam Beckett. <laughs> and I wanted to see if he ever returned home. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I've loved this insight. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. Um, right, right. He's really if exposed you, himself. This week. If you have a question, so criticism, <laughs> or frankly, some psychoanalysis that you would like to share with us on this podcast, do feel free to send them in. Uh, you can send them to me at James C. Dyer on Instagram, or you can send them to us at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Because Sophie is now back from holiday, so she's able to triage those for us as well. <laughs> I feel like we don't need alcohol. We just need James to go back into his mm. happy place of his VHS uh, love. Life, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's another podcast to come in the future. Uh, right, shall we move on to some news? Who wants to start? Oh, Kay, did you watch the new Witcher trailer for season three? James, right? You look at that smug little face he's got. He's like thinking, oh, she's going, no, I don't like this. Actually, I did, James. And I saw that news being revealed live and direct from the Netflix event I was at, What Next, um, yesterday. And one of your friends, your um, Witcher mates, one of my friends, was on stage. Who was it? Joey Beatty. Joey Beatty. Ah, oh, yes, yes. yes. So actually, um, did you toss a coin to him? No, because I don't know what that is and that would seem weird. <laughs> but he was very um, engaging and he talked about a little bit about the next season and he was saying how him and um, another guy whose name I've forgotten, the composer, have worked together on a few songs, a couple oh, of songs. Yeah. Exciting. Because he had a breakout song from season one called Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. Uh, he, oh, had, uh, he had a song in the second one but wasn't as good. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. uh, well, I didn't mention that to him. But yeah, we saw a clip from it and um, what's funny is that he couldn't watch it at all. He hates watching himself on screen so he was just furiously staring at his shoes. Um, but yeah, that was that was part of my news but I'll I'll let you finish and then I'll tell you all about the Netflix event because No, tell us about it now. Oh, okay, fine. So it was a big event. Boydo, I went. Let's let's be real. Let's be frank here. <laughs> Cinderella got to leave oh, the yeah. kitchen because Boydo <laughs> was in LA. So Netflix remembered my name and sent me an invite. Uh, and they're like, oh, we'd love you to come. And I, was like, and I thought, I knew that Boydo texted them, like uh, messaged them a, a mere minutes earlier saying that he couldn't make it. So I got, um, I got, drafted in from the subs bench and it, do you know what it was a delightful event because um, obviously they have so many amazing shows coming out what I would say is while they have a full roster it took them two and a bit hours to present that to us Boyd you you swerved um, a long presentation but fascinating um, new shows and um, great talent they've got coming forward they've got among the highlights Robbie Williams new Netflix documentary I'm sure You'll be interested in that, James. Absolutely. You know who he is, right? Yeah, who? thrilled. Yeah. David Beckham as well. That was, um, they give a little um, teaser of that. That was quite funny to watch. And they've got loads of documentaries, which I won't go through, but also Supercell, which is a new series. They had someone called Rapman. 
on stage talking. Oh yes, rap man. <laughs> no, but I am pod man. Yeah, well, you're something else, man. But uh, <laughs> but do you know what? It was really engaging. They didn't have us a clip uh, clip to show, but he was just talking about it in such a passionate way about the fact that it's about five black uh, superheroes in South London. And he was just saying the budget they've spent on this was so thrilling that they would bring his vision to life. You know, he thought he'd have to, you know, do it on a smaller scale thing, but they were like, no, absolutely, we love what you're doing here and just threw a lot of money at it. And they showed us actually some special effects and stuff they've done and these special cameras they used, etc., which was lost on me. But yeah, very exciting about that. The Kitchen with Daniel, written by Daniel Kalua, who was there. Um, and he was talking about his show and just saying how um, he wanted to do something different. And he was basing that also in a futuristic setting of London 2044. And some other, oh God, I don't want to read them all out, but I'll tell you some other highlights. Uh, oh, hello, Joe Barton, Black Dove, they announced. Yes, this was the Kira Knightley show, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because he's, he's done, I think, Lazarus Project season two and now has got to the show with Kira Knightley, Black Doves. Yeah. What's it about? Um, it is, let me read this here. When Helen embarks on a passionate affair with a man who has no idea what her secret identity is, her carefully constructed web of subterfuge is endangered. So yeah, as you say, it stars um, Kira Knightley and others, but it's very exciting. So that was a big reveal last night. Did well, they- the thing you've missed out, though, I mean, I wasn't there, as you say. Um, but the most exciting thing for me, and I think a lot of people, is, is Black Mirror. Yes, the return yes of Black, Black Mirror is which... returning. And yes. um, <laughs> when though? They didn't reveal well, a date. June. 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 No, not a specific date though, did they? No, but June. But that's very soon. Considering I, I didn't know. Uh, maybe it may just be me. I didn't know that a, a sixth new season of Black Mirror had been confirmed at all. I don't even remember that being um, announced. So. And I was wondering what Charlie Brooker's been up to recently. And in fact, he has written and created a whole new series of Black Mirror that is arriving basically in about a month's time. Or, yeah. And they've said a lot of it in the so, past. Aaron Paul's been listed in the cast. They've got him and oh, Patel. What? Yes. I was going to read out the list, yeah. Oh, and John yeah, of Hassan, mm. Ben Barnes. Salma Hayek. Himesh Patel, she said John Hanna, Josh Hartnett, Kate Mara, Michael Serra, Monica Dolan, Papa Esiedu, Rob Delaney. Love him. Rory Culkin. Mm. Salma Hayek Pinu, as you say, Zazie Beats. What a fuck! I mean, you know, we're yeah, used to having lineup. great stars in in the Black Mirror things, but that is a phenomenal lineup. Yeah. Also, did Hot they show Stopper. any clips of it? Um, did they show any clips? <laughs> this was the last thing. Wait, this was did the you last. Nod thing. off. No, this was the last <laughs> thing at the end of a two-hour session, okay. and because they had right. they had they had Brooker doing some voiceover bits, and then they okay. showed. A small clip, yeah, I think they showed a small clip. And it was exciting. And they said he's trying to do something different. They showed a clip of him talking about it. And he was saying that he wanted to set it in the park, do something a little bit different. But ultimately, he came up with loads of like fantastical ideas that then just had to be like um, developed. But yeah, that's exciting. Hot Stopper 2, they talked about about sex education. But well, they didn't. The headmaster, he basically hosted some of it. And they're talking to cast from the Witcher, um, Hot Stopper. That's all I have to say. Crucially, yeah. (laughs) what were the snacks? Good question. So, right. So we had to sit, not had to, we got to enjoy this two-hour presentation by Anita Rani. <laughs> List, no, but can I just say one thing I would say. Kay is not getting invited back, people. No. I loved it. I did love it. I loved going to this event because it is really special being invited to those things because you're one of the, you know, the few people to see what's coming up. And they've got like, they were just saying how like they're so invested in creating all this new content. They were like billions of pounds they've invested and stuff like this. Just seeing the full roster, it's amazing. But what I would say is, and I probably won't be invited back afterwards, is that 
you know, an hour you're into it and you're still excited and like you're showing these clips and Anita Rani's interviewing these people, blah, blah, blah. And you, you're approaching an hour and a half and you're still in. But after an hour and a half, you are t- you know, that's a lot. You, you're saturated yeah. with all this information. There's only like each time you'll peak excitement and then it's suddenly another thing. By the end, you know, like by the time they got to Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can take any more. Because <laughs> also, you know, you're getting a bit tired and hungry and stuff. But yeah, they had snacks while we were watching the presentations. And then afterwards they had some canapes and the alcohol was flowing. Right. Okay. Which is probably why I got to the stage of saying to one of the publicists, um, taking them to task and say, why wasn't I invited to the Queen Charlotte um, screening? Wow. Yeah. Because Shonda Rhimes was in town and, um, and then it did transpire that maybe Boyd had been invited and Hunt told me. Did you get invited to the Queen Charlotte launch? Oh, yeah. yeah. Of <laughs> oh, my God, Boyd. I was in a semi-fury and I actually talked to the Netflix representatives because um, I saw that Shonda Rhimes was there and I was like, I can't believe I didn't get invited. And then they were like, oh, I think we invited Boyd. And I was like, what? Yeah. That's well, they've it. had a few events for Queen Charlotte, which we're reviewing on this very show. What? Um, yeah, there was a thing at the Claridge's, which I'm sure I told you about when yeah, I went to it. Yeah. But she was, on, she was on the screen. In fact, I felt sorry for her in that event because... She, they had a whole Q&A with the panel and she was from wherever she was, LA presumably, on a screen and she actually literally, could, we could watch her face <laughs> digest this kind of like hour-long um, chat about her mm. show and then and they came back to her eventually. But yeah, I wonder if, it, I was she in person at the, uh, was it the yeah, premiere? Yeah, she was presumably? actually there in oh, person okay. and talking oh, and so okay. I was like, gutted I miss that. But okay. I know it's a bit higgledy-piggledy how I'm doing this, James. You'd be furious. But can I just mention two other things from the launch? I mean, sure. Okay. <laughs> Fool Me Once, Harlan Coben's uh, new oh, series. Yeah. Very exciting, Michelle Keegan was there to talk about that, um, also starring Richard Armitage. And Heart of Stone, a new Netflix film starring Jamie Dornan, Gal Gadot, and also, so they showed a clip. It looks very exciting. They showed this clip and I was like, oh, okay, there's Dornan, there's, yeah, Gal, yeah, brilliant. And then I was like, wait a minute, is that is that Kevin from Motherland? Paul Reedy's in it as well, which I was delighted to see. Have you seen Motherland? Oh, I just have. nodding. Yes, oh, okay, and he's fine. great. He is also in The Bastard Son, The Devil Himself, mm, where fantastic. he eats people's hearts. Yes, I think I recall you saying yes, that. much like he does in Motherland. Right. Uh, Cara Delevingne, Boydie, is joining American Horror Story Season 12. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Planet Fantastic. Horror with Cara Delevingne. Oh, yeah, you love yes. that show. Oh, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Is yeah. Kim Kardashian yeah. joining that, by the way? I think I heard. Is she? Oh, really? I mean, she? I mean, I wouldn't put it past Ryan Wait, Murphy. I, no, I've probably she made is a horror up. show. Let, let, me, but let me Google that. She, you that. say she's a horror show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but not that I'm aware of. Yes, Boydie, can you, she is, isn't it? She is, isn't it? Yeah. Might be watching that. Yeah, Cara uh, Delevingne joins Kim Kardashian and Emma Roberts in Horror Story 2. Boydie, can you explain something mm. to me? Who yeah. does Perry Gilpin play in Frasier? Roz. And are you excited yes. that she's back? <gasps> yes. She, she plays yes. Roz. I yeah, she's Roz, that. yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is the key... Yeah, very exciting, yeah. I mean, people are talking about, will Daphne come back? I don't but care. But I am... Um, no. Hang on, hang on. Daphne, who's Rob? She likes she likes to have a wild um, time with a gentleman, <laughs> was one of her main character traits. The, the joke about her right from the beginning was she, she slept with most of Seattle's men, and that carries on being the joke all the way. And she embraces, shall we say, her uh, her life of fun and Good she's a brilliant her. character. Absolutely yeah. brilliant character, yeah. So it's it's very it's very important that she's coming back, I think, yeah. Because other, you know, bring the other characters back might seem a bit contrived, but but it makes sense. She she has to come back, yeah, because they were best friends as well as um, professional professional partners. Okay. Any other news before we move on? 
No, I think that was a lot of Netflix news. Right, should we have a guest? Let's have another guest. Uh, next up in the guest chair is one half of the Russo brothers, specifically Joe Russo, uh, who's executive producer of Citadel, which is on Prime Video at the moment. Now, this is a massively ambitious and, <laughs> let's not fuck about, expensive spy thriller starring Richard Madden and Priyanka Chopra Jonas as agents of an international spy agency called Citadel. This is Joe Russo talking to Helen O'Hara. Hello, Joe. Welcome to Pilot. How are you doing? Good, really good. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. So um, I've just spent the morning watching three episodes back ah, to back, so I'm, I'm super fired up and kind of wish there was a train I could jump off or something right now. <laughs> it feels like that kind of day. Suddenly. Good. How was that twist at the end of three? Did it catch you? It did, yeah. I was kind of, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but I was kind of wondering how you were going to deal with that one. And now I feel like, ooh, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, it only up. gets worse from there, so... <laughs> This is exciting. So, look, at this point, after this, after The Grey Man, after The Winter Soldier, do you have a lucrative sideline in espionage consultancy? I, I don't. I could. I think I could. I think we've had enough conversations with former CIA agents, former uh, MI agents. You know, I, 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 uh, I could I could probably start my own secret agency at this point. Hmm. Excellent, excellent. So there, this is great. If if you know season one doesn't take off, like um, it's going to take off. Let's be honest. It, you've you've got something as a backup there. So so I mean, how how hard is it to kind of then come up with with new angles with a new world like this for for spycraft? I mean, you know, my brother and I are intertextualists. We grew up loving movies. We talk about that all the time. Uh, we had a circle of friends where we would all watch movies, quote movies uh, ad nauseum, watch the movies again, quote them some more. So it was really a, a culture of like talking about films, enjoying them. Uh, we all had a, a populist side to us. We also watched art movies. You know, we enjoyed genre films. I mean, it was one of our, our favorite things to talk about. Uh, and so we like playing in genre. Uh, that's a comfort food, I think, for audiences. And uh, it gives them an access point and a quick entry, especially when it, you want to tell a propulsive story uh, with a lot of twists and turns. You also don't want to overwhelm them with, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, t t too many things at the same time. Um, and so working in the spy genre gave us an opportunity, an entry point for some bigger ideas. And, you know, what I loved about this show from the beginning is the characters, this idea that you have these top spies um, uh, and there's a technology that exists and where there's a chip implanted in their brain uh, that can wipe their memories in order to protect the agency. Uh, and that happens immediately in the show. What's compelling about that is they then go on to build lives, not remembering who they were. And there are, there are stakes to that. There are spouses, there are children. Uh, their entire lives that have been built. And what happens when the sins of the past come calling? How do you reconcile that? I always found that fascinating. And I thought there would be incredible parts for actors to play. Uh, and there really are. I mean, uh, you know, your, your two leads, Richard Madden and Priyanka Chopper Jones. I mean, they, first of all, like crazy beautiful people. Personally, if I were hiring spies, I'd probably hire somebody, you know, not quite as eye-catching, but that's just me. Um, but but also people who, you know, have worked in this genre before, yes, but haven't maybe done it on this scale. That's right. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a very ambitious show. Uh, it's it's ambitious in the scale, but it's also ambitious in the fact that like the the core concept behind the show is pitched to us by Jen Salke, who runs Amazon Prime several years ago. This very novel, very noble idea that you could take a 
large English language show and you could splinter it off uh, into different regional markets using top talent from those markets to tell their own stories in this world uh, in their own language. Uh, and I think that's brilliant because, mm. you know, stories are a binding element. They're one of the last binding elements that we have left as this world continues to get more and more divisive. It's one of the few things that brings everyone in under the tent together where they're not arguing, they're celebrating their common love of a story. Uh, and so I think it's just a genius idea to, to have ownership uh, in different countries around the world of the narrative and that local audience uh, and uh, giving uh, uh, artists in those regions an opportunity to shine because we can drive our audience from this main English language show over to India to watch the India show or to Italy to watch the Italian show. Uh, and, uh, and I think ultimately that's the most daring and experimental aspect of what we're doing here. It feels like um, the MCU gone international in a way, you know, taking that model of we have something that works and now let's like spread it out and, and try different things and, and, you know, go different places with it, um, you know, it, it, in a slightly more slightly more grounded sphere, slightly, a little tiny bit more grounded. But I think it's it's really exciting. So have you had to work a lot with the with the runners of those shows? You know, what kind of discussions a have there been? Absolutely. And what's been fascinating is that it really informed the process of making this show, rewriting, reshooting, because we're getting ideas. You know, we were the first out of the gate and then Italy was not far behind and Italy, India not far behind them. And as you're adding all these creative brains, amazing ideas are coming to the table. We had a summit uh, at our Agvo offices in Los Angeles, where we had a hundred, you know, storytellers from around the world all together in a room, all talking about the Citadel and building out this world together. Uh, and so it's constant. We're constantly informing each other and and bettering ideas. And so it's made it a very fluid process throughout. We worked on the show literally up until like you know yesterday. I got the final mix for the last episode just so we could get it to air, but it, it, you know, it was always trying to just make the, make it the best version of what it could be. I mean, there have been a lot of reports about how difficult this show has been to make, basically. I mean, I think, first of all, you know, you were shooting under COVID and everything else, but it has had chops and changes along the way. So was that to help this kind of this bigger vision come to life? Yeah. I mean, everything's always in service of how do we tell the best story possible? And, you know, ultimately I think this was not never going to be uh, um, an easy path. You know, when you when you chew off something as ambitious as a really expensive show, and then you add two more shows on top of it, uh, it was never going to be an easy path. And we didn't expect an easy path. We know what it took to get those Marvel films made. That's why I have all this gray hair. And this was harder than any of those movies uh, for that reason. Uh, and so, you know, to me, ultimately, no different than any of the work we did on the Marvel films. Um, uh, you know, we would reshoot those movies constantly. Uh, and that was part of the iterative process. No one ever expects the prototype to fly. And if you do, then you're, you know, you're not really good at your job. And we're in a fortunate enough position where we can assess uh, uh, what we're doing and then make decisions to make changes to try and make things better uh, uh, for the audience. And, um, and so that's the journey we've been on. Does it feel like you've kind of, um, you know, gotten past the, the biggest of the hurdles, just having having set the tone, having set the mythology, having, you know, established the world with this one? Because there's certainly been reports that season two is, if not yet greenlit, certainly very close to it. You've obviously got the, the spinoffs coming. So does it feel like, okay, now we've got a clear kind of path towards all of that in the future? Yeah. And, and you know, part of um, 
the, any, you know, tone is the most important aspect of any project. It really is what defines it, right? Tone is what defines Tarantino. Tone is what defines Wes Anderson. Tone is what defines The Hangover, right? Like you pick anything, it really comes down to the tone, the essence of the tone. Tone can surprise you, but tone is also a fingerprint of the storytellers. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, it, it, we we have settled on a tone for this that we love. It's really up to the audience now. Uh, this was an ambitious uh, um, bet because we we wanted Italy not far behind and we wanted India not far behind that. So we bet on all of them at the same time in the hopes that, you know, we would roll up the sleeves and, and make it as good as we possibly could uh, and hope that it succeeded so that you would be excited to then watch Italy and to then watch India. Um, that's the gamble here. So now it's really in the audience's hands at this point. Uh, well, tell me about tone then, because you know you have it's some very funny comedy in this, um, especially from from Stanley Tucci. I think um, you you also have like crazy big Bondian stakes. You obviously also have amnesia, which is immediately going to get Bond com- or sorry, born comparisons. You know, I, I guess you're you're threading a lot of different kind of influences, uh, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, you're, we're playing around with tropes, and then it's our job as the season unfolds to subvert those tropes and to complicate them and to take you places you weren't expecting to go. It's part of the fun of it. You know, we always like when we approach a genre, my brother and I, to just come at it full force. You know, here's what your expectation is, and now here's how we're going to unravel it. It's not different, no different than like what we would do on Community, right? Like here's a here's a genre of the week we're gonna play with. Here's all the things you expect to happen in that genre. And now we're gonna unravel it as we go. Like the, you know, Fistful of Paintballs ends up being, you know, a very earnest uh, por- portrait of a troubled, Pierce Hawthorne character, you know, and uh, ends up fracturing the group forever. Um, um, so that's the that that's the uh, approach that has served us well throughout our careers, and it's it's what we're using again here with Citadel. You're going to come into the show, see some things that feel familiar to you. And then uh, we're slowly going to twist those on you over the course of the season. And having, I can certainly confirm that in the first three episodes, there are quite a few twists and turns already in the narrative. Uh, not least, uh, I, I wanted to to ask about you know giving Leslie Manville an, an incredibly juicy villain role, which I feel like is that's well overdue from the world in general. Uh, she's amazing. I mean, utterly amazing and amazing to work with. You know, there are very few people uh, that I've worked with over the years that I would call a one taker, which means that. You know, you you can do one take with them and move on, and it is impeccable. Uh, and she uh, she is in that category. I mean, it was a real treat to work with her. And also bringing back evil ambassadors. I feel like we haven't seen that in a little bit. I feel like we used to get that a lot in kind of Cold War movies, and ambassadors have just been kind of pushed aside in recent years. And the politics of this of the modern world are very complicated. We take a couple shots here and there at. Uh, uh, you know, some uh, some modern issues that are playing out in our world today. Um, and, uh, you know, as part of the fun of a show like this is you can layer it, right? We can, if somebody just wants to tune in and turn off their brain and watch a big fun show, they can get that. If you want some thematics, there's going to be some modern thematics and some, you know, some political jabs that are sprinkled in throughout the show. They're not going to affect you if you don't want them, you know? And that's what my brother and I love is creating stories that, you know, invite people in under the tent. We want everyone to come in and hear a story together and then have a conversation about that story. Mm. 
And, and tell me for a minute about just the scale of the action scenes, because these were pretty huge already. You've got, you know, again, classic kind of spy movie motifs, mountain bases, ski chases, parachutes, everything else. You know, were, were those particularly difficult in this case to get at this scale? I mean, like any movie they are, you know, that's a that's a huge sequence that requires months of planning and many weeks to execute and thousands of people. There's lots of VFX in the show. There's a few more giant set pieces as the show unfolds, there's a lot of uh, uh, fighting, hand-to-hand combat. It's a, uh, you know, this was uh, also what was tricky is that we really wanted a propulsive narrative. We wanted this to play at a breakneck pace that really felt bingeable to you, where you just were getting, oh man, I'm just, I just uh, 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 figured that out and boom, it's over and I'm on to the next and there's a twist. And oh my God, I thought I understood what was happening. Now I've got to get into the next episode to figure that out. Almost like old serials would play, you know, just like cliffhangers with, you know, real media genre hooks. And um, and so that was the exercise for it. And, uh, you know, when you're compressing that way, you've really got to have a lot coming at the audience quickly, which means you're going to collect a lot of footage and compress it. Uh, and so it was really a difficult shoot. Hmm. Let me ask you about something that I hope was easier. Um, but it's, it's something that really... Uh, Praise on my, my on my head. Action star names. Uh, obviously, we hear we have Mason Kane. You know, previously we've had the likes of Tyler Rake uh, and of course Six uh, in the Gray Man. Is there a formula? What is it? What is it that makes it an action hero name? Why don't we get very many called Ernest? If my brother and I can smile at the name <laughs> when we come up with it, then that's our that that's our uh, our, our only qualification. If it makes us laugh. <laughs> So Mason Kane did the job. Oh, it did the job, as did Tyler Rick. <laughs> well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you. Uh, best of luck with the show. I cannot wait to see what happens next. So thanks very much. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. That was Joe Russo. And it's time for the reviews. Uh, and first up this week, we have Queen Charlotte, or to give it its full title, Queen Charlotte, colon, A Bridgerton Story. This is a prequel spin-off which takes the character of Queen Charlotte, played by Golda Rochevel, and uh, recounts the story of how she came to be Queen Charlotte, with India Amatafeo as the young Her Madge Boydie. Does Queen Charlotte warrant its place on the throne, or is this a Bridgerton too far? That's that's more that's like That's a it. good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's more like it. After the uh, shambolic introductions on Pilot Plus last <laughs> week. Apologies. That's yeah. what you know what? Yeah. It occurred to me when we reviewed Citadel, I didn't come up with a Citadel miniatures gag, which I would have found funny. Kay wouldn't have understood. No. You probably wouldn't have understood. And frankly, only nerds from the 1980s really would have oh, understood. God. But it would have been a good gag. Nerds and that's unite. the important thing. <laughs> What is that? Yeah, what, what Citadel miniatures. You know, like 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 the little lead figures you get in like the Games Workshop. Well, they're now called Warhammer stores. You know, the little Space Marines and stuff. They used to be made, they no. used to be called Citadel miniatures. Little lead figures. They're plastic now. You know, environment. But uh, they were they <sighs> were yeah they were they were little they were called Citadel I think, miniatures. I think, the, I think the listener has to work too hard for that one. Really? That yeah. is, that is, you think? That is, yeah, that's yeah, I think that's, yeah. yeah, that's, I'm glad you just went with whatever anyway. lame one see, you did. See, people now just have images yeah. of me in the 90s playing with my little Citadel miniatures while highlighting things from my TV guide and recording them on it's my VHS. It's a an accurate, <laughs> yeah, an accurate it is, picture. It is yeah, an accurate yeah. portrait, but let's move on. Come on, tell yeah. us about Queen Charlotte. Anyway, Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, as you say. So this is a, a, a classic spin-off situation. Um, for, and one of the great 
innovations of Bridgerton, or one of its kind of uh, interesting elements, is 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 very inclusive casting and inclusive and diverse casting. And there are a lot of black characters in the show, which you know morons complained about and normal people celebrated um, because there's no reason whatsoever why black actors shouldn't be cast in period shows like this. So this kind of really celebrates that, focusing on the the, the Golda Rochevel's character, who's who's a very entertaining figure in the show anyway, and Ajoa Ando, their their kind of friendship and their kind of tete-a-tetes formed quite a nice element of of Bridgerton itself. So I think it's quite a good idea. If you're going to do spin-offs, then why wouldn't you do spin-offs of one of its most successful shows? It makes perfect sense to seize upon these characters. And it's interesting because Shonda uh, Rhimes, as Kay was mentioning before, is kind of global superstar of show running and all of this. But she doesn't write. She doesn't actually sit down and write that many of her shows these days. You know, a lot of them are, uh, uh, you know, she comes up with the ideas and she she's exec producer. She's the showrunner. She brings in showrunners. But, you know, she's pretty hands-on in this show. She, like, she wrote, you know, the, I think the first three episodes at least of the six, six-parter and co-wrote kind of most of it. So... It's quite interesting that this is the thing that she decided she really wanted to sink her teeth into, and it is you can you can tell because I think I actually think this is possibly better than than um than than a lot of certainly the last series of Bridgerton that I found disappointing, and not just because of the uh, oh, like slightly the chaste, season. overly chaste nature of the first half of that series. There wasn't enough sex um, for you. That's what you're saying. Yeah, well, just because the whole of the first series. I mean, we don't need to rehash the whole thing, but in in a nutshell, you know, the first series was founded on its its upfront approach to sex and nudity and those storylines. And then in the second felt very chaste in comparison. I just think it it kind of lacked the bite as well. I think that was just a symptom of it lacking the kind of boldness of the first. But this one is is pretty raunchy from the start. And it's kind of, and it and it jumps around between the two timelines of the characters as we know them in Bridgerton. Uh, Queen Charlotte and Lady Danbury, etc., and flashing back to kind of their or- the origin story of Queen Charlotte, as the title would suggest. India Amatafeo is fantastic as the young Queen Charlotte. I think she's brilliantly charismatic and funny and naturalistic, and she's really good. And that and I think the casting is key to it because there are I think there are some people in Bridgerton who aren't that great sometimes. There are certain scenes in that show I always felt like, hmm, and I'm not sure if that performance is, is that great. I'm not sure if the director or ever really got the best. But in this, there isn't a weak link, I mm. don't think, in the cast. It's, the casting is really strong, starting with her, India. She's, she's fantastic. And it's kind of all about how she's in an arranged marriage situation with the King George III, played by Corey Milchrist. I think it's how you pronounce it, or Milecrest, who is so new, is such a new star. He hasn't even got a link on Wikipedia. He's just like listed <laughs> without a blue thing to press. So you have to look him up on IMDb. He's pretty, pretty and at, funny enough, at that event I went to that I talked about Claridge's, he was took part in the Q and A, and genuinely is like, am I, you know, I just. I just auditioned for this role and got it, and I'm no one knows who I am, and it's pretty incredible. And he's very handsome, and you know, and kind of um, quite fun as well. The big kind of mystery of it is she's reluctant. You know, she's kind of pissed off at the beginning that her brother has set her up to be arranged in this arranged marriage with the young King George the Third, and she is just a proto-feminist. She wants to live her own life. She's kind of annoyed that she's being thrust into the situation. Then she meets him in a in a classic meet cute <laughs> that is fucking ridiculous but entertaining, right? And She's only he is really handsome. She's immediately, oh, okay, you're actually quite handsome. I'm not going to, I don't mind marrying you anymore. But he, after they get married, he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. Like he doesn't want to enter into the marital bed on their honey, on their, you know, wedding night. Well, but it's all about this, isn't it? But this is what it's all about. It feels like this is a deliberately anti-Bridgerton thing. A show sort of founded on uh, on screen, and this is deliberately anti-sex. I know. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. It does feel like a kind of meta commentary on it. And, but that is, but I, I don't think it is a spoiler because I think it is the premise. Is the big mystery is why the fuck doesn't he want to fuck his new <laughs> wow. princess? Boido. Sorry, sorry, right? listeners. Boyd's getting a bit feisty. Yeah, it must is, be the L. Well, this is LA Boyd. <laughs> well, yeah. And I actually thought one of the, I thought the stretching out of that and then the, exp- the kind of non explanation from him in episode two. I've watched three episodes. I don't know how many you've I've watched. I've watched it all. Have you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, all I'll say is, I feel like they're both stretching out that to a ludicrous extent, like that he would somehow not want to be at, deal with the mystery of why he doesn't want to have romantic relations with his extremely attractive new wife. And then when he kind of does tell her, or doesn't really give an explanation, he just kind of like seduces and says, okay, I'll give in, I'll do it. And then, but he's still problematic after that. So I found this whole thing a bit torturous, that whole mystery. Have you got spo- See, do you, you do know though why... This is no, not a, I, should, I should emphasize this is not a spoiler special no, no, podcast. I'm not, so I'm not, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've got to why. Right, if I have, then I haven't. It hasn't sunk in. Put okay, it that way. fine. So that's my that's my kind of main. I found I found it a bit much. That and shit, how many episodes that, have you watched? Two. Okay, fine. Two slash three. I'm, I'm actually I'm in the middle of the third. Yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. Like that hasn't it hasn't that hasn't kind of spoiled my enjoyment of it that much. But I found it a little bit funny that she's not pressing him on this issue <laughs> enough. Mm. I have a question, and that's yeah. you know, you know, sex or no sex aside, is there a place for this show in a world where the great exists? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because it's a different tone. It's not because the the great is very um, arch and knowing and uh, you know almost smug. I mean, that's you know, do you know what I mean? Whereas <laughs> this why is, I like it. <laughs> right, exactly. There you go. It's entirely aimed at smug people like you. I enjoy it as well. But this is different. This has got more. It has got a romantic. You know, it's, it's more romantic. It's more um, swoonsome. You know, it's more. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not trying to be quite as clever. Clever. So I think tonally, it's different enough for there to be a place for it completely. Yeah, I finished now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kay. Kay. Did we, I mean, if you watched all of it, I'm assuming that you went for this hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Well, I wanted. To, I. I really like I like Bridgerton and I really like this and I like the fact that it's a different feels like a different sort of tone. It's less light and frothy than Bridgerton in that it's dealing with a serious more serious subject matter and how the couple navigate it. It has got a slightly different tone even though it's still got the same look and feel. It has got a different tone. I enjoyed that and I just enjoy the fact that this is sort of more from like a female lens and the focus on these three strong female characters so Agatha, Lady Bridgerton and Charlotte and delving into their past and why they are the women they are today. Um, for me, the absolute standout and this is because I've seen all six episodes is Lady Danbury and her character both the one that we know from Bridgerton and her young Herself, played by Asma Thomas, who I think is just extraordinary in this role. And I just, I'm just so invested in her particular story and the fact that, you know, the subjugation at the hands of the husband and how she sort of, her tenacity helps her to, you know, ultimately elevate her status and her ultimate uprising and her love lost. So yeah, I'm, I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a lot of fun. I was invested in the, you know, Charlotte and um, George's storyline, but particularly Lady Danbury, I thought was stand out. Well, I'm not. I'm not a Bridgerton stan. As in, I've only ever watched one episode of Bridgerton, and it was mm. the first episode of season two. So I have no clue who anyone is. Um, and I know this is a prequel, and obviously, you only really need to know who the queen is. But it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I I found it a bit, a bit. Yeah, it was good. Like, I think the performance is very good. I, I thought India Amatafeo was excellent as the sort of young queen. Again, she has that kind of 
perfect blend of kind of sass with like a bite to it, but she's also quite sympathetic and you kind of feel for her being sort of whisked away and put into this awful position that frankly she doesn't want to be in anyway. Uh, and I quite like that. Also, the production design is off the chain. Like it looks incredibly expensive. It's lavish. It's all of these things. Uh, so I like that, but I don't, I wouldn't say I was hooked by no. it but I wasn't hooked by Bridgerton either yeah. so, you're not the audience so I think that's fair that you're not hooked. no but you know hey look look, I'm all about the Downton so, so yeah, that's true. I'm unpredictable mm. you never know I could have suddenly you know been drawn into this it might have scratched that itch but it didn't okay Sorry. well listen you watched it that's watched all we can it. ask I watched it uh, Queen Charlotte colon a Bridgerton story comes to Netflix then on I'm going to say Friday is it Friday Boyd I just think it's Thursday it's Thursday of course it is <laughs> right it comes to yeah. Netflix on Thursday Next up this week, we have Black Ops on BBC One, which Kay mentioned last week. And this one sees two hapless PCSOs yanked from the streets and sent undercover into a drug ring in a kind of, I guess, ill-conceived operation that would have had any health and safety department ring in their collective hands. Uh, Kay, you are our resident Black Ops expert, so... I guess we send you undercover to find out. This is worth. I don't know. Is, tell us about it. This is fun. I really, really like this. It's not often that I think I said this to you last week. That comedy thriller like this makes me laugh as much as it did, and I really like the fact that I like the team that's behind it. Um, so this is co-created by Bemisola Icamello and Akemji Defonian, and they met on Famalam, and it was Bemisola's idea. They sat down together, and he'd kind of said, "Look." So he was the creator of Famalan and said, look, we want to give you a show. Like, what ideas have you got? And they sat down and they thrashed it out. And she was like, well, the idea that she really wanted to do or um, was the strongest was that there's these two black community support officers, Dom, who she plays, and Kay, played by Hamid Anamashon, who has been in Black Mirror, I think. Anyway, they play these two support officers who get embroiled in an undercover uh, mission to infiltrate a notorious drugs gang, and it rapidly gets out of control. And I just really like this because I thought it was a really fresh, fun idea that, you know, I hadn't seen before. I love the team behind it and that there's black talent behind this and they're, you know, at the forefront of this comedy. And also, I just love the chemistry. That's the thing for me. It's like the chemistry chemistry between feisty rule breaker Dom and Kay, who is this lovable, God-fearing um, young officer who just wants to be friends with Dom and who Dom just thinks he's a chocolate teapot of an officer. She doesn't want to work there. She rejects him at every level. And he's just such a sweet guy. And I just think they've got this natural chemistry to like on screen and off screen. I've seen them, you know, I've interviewed them both. And I just think what they're doing is like this new bud you know, buddy cop comedy thriller that I totally am on board with. And I just want to see, like, I've actually watched all six episodes, but I, I'm determined they must get a second series because I just think there's so there's legs in this and there's so much potential for this to go on and on. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a unique concept, impressive cast and a very high laugh ratio, which I'm into. What about you, Boydo? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's um, it's got an incredible cast, really. Because in addition to the um, the main the leads, as you as you said, who are, who are really good and they've got really good chemistry. Um, they're 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 genuinely funny. But like every single like minor role, support mm. role in the like police station, for example, seems to be played yeah. by like a kind of comedy giant, like Joanna Scanlon, who let's not forget is like a lead. She's like a, a massive lead actress now. You know, yeah. she's a huge, and she's like it's got this just pops up. You know, yeah. by the by, and Rufus um, Jones does. It as well rufus jones our great friend friend of the pod rufus jones felicity montague you know alan partridge's lynn 
is in it. Colin Holt from Afterlife, from Ricky Gervais' Afterlife is in it. Catherine Kelly is in it. Alex McQueen from Everything You've Ever Seen is in it. Tiger Jew Honey from Outnumbered. I mean, the list goes on. Kerry Howard from Him and Her. A lot of these with, people, you know, I, I, because when I, yeah. I interviewed them, sorry to interrupt, I just like, when I interviewed no, them, he's, a lot of them, he just said, they were just like mates that he just literally sent, who, I can't remember now who plays the parking attendant, but like he, he said like, you know, the most of them are his mates or Bemi's mates and they just, like literally just sent them a text saying, yeah. oh, I don't suppose you fancy yeah. just come in for a day to do this. <laughs> and that's the thing. They're like, they're harnessing their talent and the talent, you know, the, of their friends and stuff. And it just feels like a real great collaborative piece. It's really, really clever though, because a lot of those, so a lot of them, I mean, to, you know, a lot of those older character actors, comedy, comedy kind of actors who pop up, it really kind of, it kind of almost mirrors the, what, you know, the project itself, which is that, you know, these young, these young black British talent are creating this really fun, great new show. And they've kind of got this older generation. Do you know what I mean? I feel it's kind of like, there's a, there's a funny kind of parallel going on there. But I thought it worked really well. And I, uh, I, I think, you know, it kind of, it's it's a tough genre to, to pull off the kind of crime uh, storyline that, that needs to be interesting enough. You know, like there are twists and turns yeah. in that crime storyline with the comedy element, which is flat out sometimes silly and funny and, you know, kind of deliberately almost borderline, you know, airplane style occasionally, <laughs> which is my favourite tone of comedy anyway. Um, and and you know, I'm watching James to see whether he can even <laughs> deal with that level of silliness um, on his face. But I, I, I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, yeah. You're right, though. They do walk that line well because there are stakes. The stakes are there. You feel yeah. them. And I think that's important to this. So it's not relying just on the comedy. There is actually a proper, you know, straw, a dramatic structure to this upon which to pin all the jokes. The jokes landed with me, I would say, about 50% of the time. I think when it gets very silly, as you say, when it gets a bit spoofy, I'm mm. less enamoured with it. But that's not all the comedy. Some of it is just, it's just funny. It's always very silly, but playful silly, not necessarily zany silly so but, but I don't think it's always silly yeah, but that's me I think like, this no, but is... I think there's, I think there's that it leans into silly yeah but actually it's just smart I think it's just very it's just funny I oh think no it's... It's, this is not a criticism of the show this is just because it's I know very much where my comedy sensibilities lie so I think oh, I'm not God, saying even that sentence <laughs> James, James, even that sentence. I'm not saying. I, mean, I, I wish we were recording, like, videoing this as well, because he's, like, sort of pontificating with his arms, like, outstretched, like, you know. I'm oh, not saying gosh. 50% of the jokes don't land. I'm saying 50% of the jokes don't land with me, which maybe actually speaks well of this show. So I might that might be a compliment. I think, yeah, I didn't get 50% of the jokes. They must have been really funny. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, I, you know what? I have to say... Well, that's, that's enough. Let's, let's cling to that. No, I... Quit while you're ahead. Yeah, no, I am actually thrilled about that because I actually think if you hadn't liked this at all, we would, there would have the been podcast is done. Yeah, like we're finished. We would have had over. a falling out, and the, and the wine bottle would have been involved. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, Black Ops lands on BBC One on Friday, the fifth of May at nine thirty of the PM. Finally this week, we have Fatal Attraction. This is, of course, a televised reimagining of the 1987 Adrian Lyne movie that ensured none of us will ever look at a rabbit in quite the same way. Now, as you have heard, this does star Lizzie Kaplan and Joshua Jackson as the ill-fated adulterers. But Boydie, is Lizzie Kaplan's bunny boiler up to the task? I was trying to come up with a, oh. like an extremely loud and incredibly mm. close, because close or something like, like a pun on oh, yeah. close. I couldn't make it work. So I just gave up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well. Yes, this is a weird one. So this is the latest in Paramount Plus's extensive attempts to turn its <laughs> um, classic films into TV shows. You know, we've had um, the Grease one, uh, which we, I didn't like. We didn't like, I don't think, very much at all. Dead uh, Ringers is happening at the moment. 
Is that on Paramount Plus or I imagine it's on Paramount American Plus? American Gigolo was one of theirs as well, wasn't it? American Gigolo was one of theirs, exactly. The weird thing about this one is, for me, is that the original Fatal Attraction is what you'd call a classic 80s erotic thriller, yeah. right? erotic psychological thriller. And it was almost instantly iconic because of its pretty quasi-cheesy, I would say, way of telling the story of this um, extramarital affair Michael Douglas, you know, having this kind of romp of an extramarital affair with Glenn Close, and then Glenn Close becoming more and more psychotic as 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 it wears on. And you're like, how far will she go? How far will he go? You know, to kind of you know try and keep it secret from his wife and family, etc. And it was a classic setup, but it was the execution really of that film that made it work so well. It was the unashamedly over-the-top direction of Adrian Lyne, who Adrian Lyne became a bit of a specialist in over-the-top, slick uh, psychological thrillers. And, you know, they were like, kind of like, again, always borderline melodramatic, borderline preposterous, borderline cheesy and over-the-top. But that's what made them so entertaining, you know, these kind of sexually charged thrillers. He did just did a brilliant job. What they seem to have done with this, I've watched two episodes, what they seem to have done with this is kind of, Try to make it for this age. Try to make, you know, coercive control and male-female roles within these types of situations very current and very contemporary and brought it up to date. But they've removed all of the all of the kind of fun of the original. I just don't think it's much fun, this one. So, you know, it takes – it's put Joshua Jackson – Okay. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go on. But do you think it no, would No, interrupt. Worked? Do you think it would have worked if they made it the, you know, like, you know, as you say, that sort of like quasi cheesy element? Do you think that would have worked to Deck? Do you, do you yeah, think we would have? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, Even totally. If we'd be I mean, sitting I here think... going, oh. No, here's the comparison is Dead Ringers, right? Which I, do you know, I completely forgot I finished and I loved. And I forgot to say in the what we're watching things. <laughs> I, I finished you it before I came even to LA. I the channel a few minutes ago. I know, because I was like, it is Paramount, is Paramount Plus. Is it Paramount Plus? Who knows? Um, but <laughs> Dead Ringers, no, it's on Prime Video, isn't it? It's Prime Video. There you go. I've credited myself. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that is an object lesson in how to take a, a quite kind of over-the-top grandiose um, original story film and turn it into, bring it up to date. But add that show, Dead Ring is almost adds to the kind of madness of the original film and kind of doubles it and triples it and doubles down on it and leans into to all those, to all those phrases, the kind of um, how over the top it can go. Whereas this feels, it's been defanged. And I think you have to be clever. There is a way of making it feel modern and up to date and dealing with all those things without it being a bit dull. And I think the casting is great. I think Joshua Jackson's great. He's, he's much more likable than Michael Douglas was, but I think part of the joy of the film is how loathsome Michael Douglas was as well. Lizzie Kaplan, great, you know, really good. Amanda Peet, very good as, as the wife, etc. But I just feel in the script and in the execution and in the quite bland, banal direction, it really misses out on capturing what made... You know, what's the point of remaking something if you're going to defang it and you're not going to kind of celebrate what made the original so entertaining. So, so far after two episodes, and I've, I haven't watched the whole thing, there are eight, I think, all in all, maybe the fun, but it feels like very much more tense. They're stretching out, you know, by the way, it also does what all, you know, TV shows have to do now that are spun off from other things. <laughs> and Bridgerton does it as well, the timelines and the flashbacks and the flash forwards and all of that. 
it's it, it, it's a bit like rote what we're gonna what we're gonna do to bring this story up to date and turn it into a peak TV show, but you're missing out on the real fun of the original. I think. But it's an interesting thing you mentioned about the to, the timeline stuff because I feel like that's that's weirdly what got me interested in this initially because everyone knows Fatal Attraction very well. This starts with him essentially having served 10, 15 yeah. years, whatever is in prison for her murder. Yeah. And we start pretty much with his parole hearing, you know, and he's getting out of prison, having served time for her death. So there's a whole layer there, which I actually found at the very least felt like it wasn't a complete direct retelling. Um, so I thought that was interesting. However, my interest in it started to wane even by the end of the first episode, which was unfortunate. I think the other thing about this which interests me is that the character of Alex is problematic in the original film. Yes, yes, like yes, it yes. leans heavily into that sort of hot but psycho stereotype. Yeah. And doesn't doesn't investigate at all, you know, her background, yeah. why is she like this? And Which doesn't is, lay any blame yeah. at his door. So it's aged really badly, yeah. like by modern sensibilities. So they've clearly addressed that here and they've made Lizzie Kaplan's iteration of that character much more complex and less overtly psycho. But weirdly, I'm not sure that helps the basic plot of this story because that's kind of what it hinges around right it hinges around that fact so i think they're trying to give it more complexity and give make her more fleshed out and actually make her less of a ridiculous reductive stereotype mm. but actually i think that then slightly derails the story and maybe doesn't work now i've not seen this all the way through to the end but if you I've certainly read some of the reviews that have and apparently its new take on the ending is shall we say not impressing people Oh, so yeah, I can't comment on that. I haven't seen it, but but by all accounts, it does not end in a way that has satisfied people. So, mm. but how, so, I mean, you watched a few. You've interviewed Lizzie. Like, were you, were you taken with it? Did it? Did it? Seize I you? like I like the fact that they, you know, obviously, as you say, the original was problematic. So I like that they've addressed that, and you know, they've redressed the balance. Um, and I like the I do like the flashback. I was like you; it really drew me in because then you're like instantly intrigued. You're like, oh, okay, so you served time, and you know, what's going to go. What's going to happen with that? I also like the fact that being a TV series with multiple episodes allows them more time to, you know, develop that relationship. So it's not just a purely sexual thing and you get to see their connection more and, you know, that develops. And I, and I enjoy that. Plus, hello, it's Joshua Jackson. I love Joshua Jackson. Although they have done him dirty in the hair stakes. What the fuck have they done? What, why, You're why, not wrong. You why are not have wrong. they done that to him? I don't it's know. It's awful crime against hair. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, obviously still had a hot spot for him, a little soft spot for him. Steady. Um, <laughs> um, hot spot? Yeah, I know. I, I meant soft spot and then he went to hot spot, which was that catchphrase from, um, what was that? What was that show with Michael Barrymore? Michael Barrymore's hotspot. What no, are we talking what, about? You know, boy, strike it know. lucky. Strike it lucky. That's it. Because that was the catchphrase. Mm. What's the hotspot? Not anyway. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> wow. Just, yeah. <laughs> I never thought we'd uh, be featuring "Strike It Lucky" on this podcast. <laughs> no, uh, me neither. Sorry, me neither. The stanzas have gone down. So yeah, I hated his hair, but yeah, overall, I I thought it was an interesting reboot. Is it necessary? I mean, I'm not sure, but I feel very strongly about reboots and stuff like that because I'm just like invest in new creatives and new ideas. I don't mind a reboot as long as it's something oh, no. that either is taking No, something... I've just taken against them, but okay. as you know, but that's just my thing. Fair enough. But I, I did like what, because, but this has done something different to it. This, this is trying to modernise it and, and I think it's successful. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, honestly, the Dead Ringers reboot is, is that's how you do it. That, that is that is a reboot that shows that crea it's, it's not a creative dead end to, to completely 
redo, reimagine a classic film. Yeah. What, what's interesting about that is that came from a different place, isn't it? Like the Paramount Plus shows very yeah. much come from the fact that they're sitting around a boardroom and a load of suits saying, these yes. are the IPs we own, what can we do with them? Whereas Dead Ringers was Rachel Weisz saying, I love this thing, I've got an idea, yeah. let's make it happen. Completely, which is why when I said Dead Ringers, is it Paramount Plus or whatever, you should correct me immediately and known that it wasn't. Well, I mean, Paramount where, where would be the fun in that? Video. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think this is very well made. And, you know, Josh and Jackson, they're all very good and it's nicely made and the dialogue's fine. It's, it's kind of deep good in itself. But I, I when I'm, because I'm such a fan of the film and the film is so much fun, that's, that's my. Mm. primary issue with it yeah yeah which is maybe slightly unfair because it's just in its own if you if in and of itself if you've never seen the film this is probably a perfectly decent you know four-star tv series very well made all of that but it's like, i can't get the original out of my head but, but this my... is the problem like you you have an ip and yes you think oh brilliant that brings in an audience but actually it also brings with it a lot of expectations which is very very hard yeah. to meet so yeah you know, it's a double-edged sword there but uh fatal attraction comes to paramount plus then today on monday and you can see it there but that's not the only thing out this week also out this week is apple plus's silo which is an adaptation of the Hugh Howey book series, starting with Wall, which stars Rebecca Ferguson in a post-apocalyptic sci-fi in which humanity's survivors exist in a silo, in the title, reaching a mile beneath the earth. It's, I was about to say it's awesome, but it's embargoed is what it is, which means we can't talk about it, but it's brilliant. It's my pick of the week. Anyway, we'll be reviewing this one in full on Pilot Plus this Thursday. So if you don't subscribe, and why wouldn't you? Because you can do so for just £2 a month, which wouldn't even buy you a non-fat, double cream, extra hot soy milk chai latte. So, you know, go on now, subscribe, empireonline.com slash pilot TV. Come join us over there, it's fun. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Come on in, the water's lovely. What else is out this week, Boydie? There are other things. Yeah, there's Tom Jones on ITVX. You're not unusual. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. It's not, it's not a drama about the popular music singer. Tom Jones. It's in fact a new version of the Henry Fielding 1949 novel, The History of Tom Jones. Um, and it stars Solly McLeod and uh, James Fleet and lots of other people. Hannah Waddingham's in it. <gasps> Love. Yes. From, from uh, Ted Lasso, obviously. Pearl Mackey's in it as well, who's in. Good names. Um, yeah. Pearl Mackey, who's is, is very entertaining in The Diplomat uh, at the moment. And Susan, Susanna Fielding from this time of Anna She's got a really good cast. I haven't watched it yet, I must admit, but um, that is uh, starting on Thursday on ITVX. I think it's a four-parter, and it'll all, be, all the episodes will be there. A Small Light starts on Disney Plus on Tuesday. This is this limited drama about a young secretary who played a role in hiding Anne Frank and her family during the Nazi occupation of Amsterdam during World War II, and stars Belle Powley, uh, Liev Schreiber, and Joe Cole. Again, like a really good starry cast. Um, for that show, um, boy, you've missed out the fact that Star Wars Visions returns to Disney Plus oh, for season two you, on Thursday, the fourth of May, and I can tell that Kate in particular is very excited about that. Over the moon! I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. I mean, what what was I thinking? You know, I love animation and and all Star that Wars stuff. You love a lightsaber? And, no, I do love Star Wars. I okay, love Star Wars more than you do, really. Now, let's face it. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, you're wrong about the Rise of Skywalker. I'm not sure that is the same thing, but sure. Perry Mason is back on Sky Atlantic. On, on Tuesday yes, the 2nd? Yes, it is, which was delayed a week, weirdly, and um, that's partly why we're not reviewing it, because we might have reviewed it um, originally. But I really like it. But all the re American reviews have been really good for this, actually, saying that it's even better than Series 1, with Matthew Reese doing mm. a really good job. Um, and it's, it's an interesting mystery, apparently. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to paying my Matthew Reese, the husband of Kerry Russell. Correct. That's right. <gasps> exactly. 
That is right. Yeah, what a time for the Russell ah, Reese family. What a yeah. time. Speaking of which, I really do need to get back to watching The Americans. Yeah, yeah. Where they, uh, yeah. Also, we didn't mention that on Saturday you can watch The Coronation of King Charles III. So that's uh, that's an option for you if you don't fancy anything else. What then is our pick of the week? I could say Black Ops. Yeah, me too. Black Ops. Oh, there we go. Indeed. Come over here. It is 100% silo, which is embargoed. Right. No. Uh, that is we it. We need to have a unanimous decision, Cheats. remember? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately yeah, it's silo. So uh, that's it for this week's show. If you had a possibly good time, then please do head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a oh, five bunny yes, rating. Yes, please do. Yes, please do. Please do. We've been enjoying those. And thank you very much to Paul, the wine guy, for delivering us wine. We're very, very, very pleased with that. I wonder if he expected us to drink it live on air. This is what we should have done. That's what Saying, a piss pod and it all just got very very it would have got messy might have got violent it I mean been, yeah. yeah I'm not drinking with Kay she, I mean she, she'll mess you up <laughs> no no I, no I don't I just get cuddly it's fine Ooh, mm. <laughs> uh, right 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 let's see I mean you can find us on the socials at Violet TV Pod at Kay Ribeiro at Boyd Hilton at James C. Dyer so do friend us there or as Paul did, just stop by the studio and leave gifts and reception for us because that works as well. We've sorry, we've done very well this month. We've had brownies, we've had alcohol. Yeah, we had, had I said we had brownies that you abandoned in the post room and went stale. We stop had cake. Get, you're always which trying to I get bought. between me and the listeners. Why stop <laughs> causing trouble? We did have delicious brownies and now delicious wine, I'm sure. So thank you yes, very much. Yes, very indeed. kind of you. Yes. Which Kay will be necking at some point later this evening. Um next week on next week's show, Rebecca Ferguson is going to be with us to talk about this week's show of the week, Silo, uh, which is very, very exciting. Uh plus, oh God, what else is out? City on Fire comes to Apple. There's a new Muppet series, Muppet Mayhem coming to Disney Plus. Don't we'll watch that not dead yet also comes to Disney Plus uh, but you know we'll, we'll figure it out there'll be some shows we'll talk about them it'll be great excellent for those of you who subscribe to Pilot Plus we will see you on the Thursday uh, for everyone else we'll see you next week Pilot out <laughs>